Player prop. Sean Simons, PPG Grandpa, welcome to episode two of Clear Prop TV and PPG Grandpa's Paramotor Podcast. This is season two, episode 52 with Jordan Anger. This is a long, long podcast, but it is just constantly filled with lots of cool information. We are talking about building paramotors, we're talking about electric paramotors and the batteries that power them and what to expect in the future with paramotors over the next five years. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's 2021 and Happy New Year. We need you to say hello in the super chat. Um, any donations that you give in the super chat helps to pay for postage on all these wonderful things that we are sending out there. Tonight, we have a $25 gift card to give away. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And also, Paraswag USA is going to be giving away another t-shirt. So please say hello in the super chat. So let's now introduce everybody on the panel. As always, we have Linda Anderson. She is our cheerleader. Welcome, Linda. Hey, welcome. Welcome, my chatters. Hey, I just want she to say is also known, Happy Monday. She's also known as ParamomUSA.com, and that's how you can get up with her if you want to be on the show. Welcome, Linda. Thank you. I'm excited about the show tonight. Make sure you chatters get on there so you can win something tonight. Absolutely. We also have our famous person that we have on here, Brian. Hey, Bill Waller. How's it going, guys? Hope everybody's have, off to a good new year. I know mine is. <coughs> Absolutely. Hello. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Bill. We got we got that T-shirt. We're going to be uh, working on getting that T-shirt out there so people can uh, wear the Hey, Bill Waller. Hey. Awesome. Looking forward to that. We also have Never Trust a Skinny Chef Shane. What's up, Skinny Chef Shane? Afternoon, afternoon. Happy Monday, all. Hope everybody's doing well. I, I see that you have 442 subscribers. Hopefully somebody will go to your link, which is in the description below, and will uh, subscribe to your channel. Sounds good to me. You're also our resident comedian, so hopefully you'll be letting us uh, know a couple of fun jokes tonight. or telling a couple of jokes, that's awesome. Clean jokes. Yep. Clean jokes, since we got that swear jar on the on the table right now. Absolutely. We also got JP Tulo in the house, our resident tech guy. The only guy What's that I on, know guys? that thrown a reserve and it wasn't at an SIV course. And, and live to tell about it. And I know, right? <laughs> we see JP's YouTube channel on the screen right now. He has 152. Make sure you're like, I don't know, 153. We also have Kevin. <laughs> no, right? We also have Kevin can fly at kevincanfly.com. Welcome, Kevin. How's it going, everybody? Happy 2021. I know 2021. It's got to be better than last year, right? We'll see. I hope whoa, whoa, so. Whoa, hold on, don't say that. I said that about 2019. <laughs> <laughs> and we also I'm have. Not- I make no claims for this year, except I'm going to fly when it's flyable. 
and train when it's trainable. And if you guys want to come out and train, just hit me up, kevincanfly.com or bridgecityppg at gmail.com, and we'll get you sorted out. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have all those links down below, or will here in just a moment. We also have um, Paris Wag USA in the house. It's a husband and wife team, Mark and Amy. Welcome to the show. They're going to be giving away a t-shirt tonight, so we appreciate you. And the reason why we're here, the man of the hour, the only guy that I know that's actually built his own paramotors and has flown them. He has an uh, electric paramotor that he's going to be building and talking to us about, and he does maintenance on many different machines. Welcome, Jordan Anger. Yay! Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome. Man, so we talked today on the phone for about an hour, nonstop. I mean, it went like that. Um, it is a little after seven o'clock and something tells me that this next hour or two is gonna go by really super quick. Uh, Jordan has a lot of information. He is extremely smart and uh, we're gonna learn a lot of stuff. So uh, Jordan, tell us a little bit about uh, your background. What got you into paramotors? and um, go to your building a paramotor. I'm really interested in that. Yeah, so uh, I am 29 years old uh, from Detroit. I did, I did six years in the Navy, which is how I, yeah, go blue. Uh, I did six years in the Navy, which is how I ended up um, here in, in Tampa, uh, stationed in Jacksonville on USS Way City for four years. Uh, finished my duty, got out, and I'm now a civilian contractor. Uh, working working in the Tampa area. So uh, I'm an electronics technician, which is where my expertise in electronics comes from. Uh, and I'm currently working on my bachelor's degree for uh, electrical engineering, specifically in the, um, the RF field. So like uh, radio frequency, communication, uh, radars, and that types of thing. Uh, I'm also, uh, you can kind of somewhat consider me a radar expert. So any, any radar related questions I can probably answer. Um, there are some I've had some good radar related PBG questions like, you know, can they see us on the radar, you know, uh, air traffic control radars, can they see us like that type of thing. Uh, so, you know, there's, I can, I can answer pretty much all of that. Um, in okay, addition, let's, to that, let's, go ahead, let's go ahead and answer that real quick. Can they see us on the radar? Uh, my favorite answer is it depends. Um, so modern day radars are so sophisticated that they, they have a problem where they usually see too much. And they have to come out with uh, with things to filter out uh, clutter is, is what we call it, uh, filter out things that radars aren't concerned with. So the radars that would see you frequently, especially if you're away from the ocean, is uh, general air traffic control radars. Uh, these are two-dimensional, uh, they call them track wall scan radars. They basically spin in a circle and um, they look for moving objects. And the way they determine that they're moving is if they detect it in one location, they do a full spin and then it's in another location, obviously it's moving. So uh, these radars will usually filter out things that are not moving very quickly, um, such as clouds. Uh, they will have no problem detecting clouds, which is why they try to mitigate the detection of them. So if the Doppler shift of the object that they're tracking is not enough, meaning the thing is not moving fast enough to change the, the, the shape of the, the return signal, um, it'll, it'll get filtered out. It'll just assume that they're not concerned with it. So most air traffic control radars will not detect you. Uh, 
with military radars, it's it's a different it's a different story. So be careful where you fly. Let's just say that. Interesting. Okay, sorry, I, I just had to know the answer to that before before you went on. Uh, go ahead and please uh, continue. Yeah. Uh, so in addition to that, um, I have a <clears throat> a plethora of hobbies. Uh, you can see one right here, which I'll get into later. Uh, the other one is PBG, which is why we're all here. Uh, so I started in 2017. Uh, what got me into it is somebody I've been, I've been trying to figure out who, uh, but somebody was flying over sand key, which is a popular beach in, uh, the, in the Tampa area. <clears throat> and, uh, I was there with my family for uh, the 4th of July weekend. And I saw this guy and a couple of his buddies flying this weird machine over the beach. And I was like, Oh my God, what is that thing? That looks awesome. And uh, one of them landed in the field uh, right next to the park. And I was like, oh man, I got I to gotta figure out what that thing is. So I immediately went home and uh, Googled up a storm. And I was like, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. Like th whatever this is, like this looks awesome. And you're talking about yeah. paramotors. Yes, that, that, would be, that would be paramotors. That sounds so, like my story. Yeah, yeah, man. Somebody just, somebody inspired me to do it. It looked awesome. So I did it. Nice. Awesome. Seems like that's everyone's story. They they saw someone do it. They're like, what what is that? They get on the computer and they find Tucker God or one of the other guys that are popular and they're like, this is what I wanted to do. Um, so this you started getting into paramotors what like in 2017, you said, I believe. Yeah, it was late 2017 when I um when I legitimately started like, you know, buying stuff and talking to people and reaching out and learning things. Uh so I've been I've been flying for um, two and a half plus years now. I have uh, I think about three hundred hours, give or take, under my belt. Nice, pretty cool. That's so many questions I want to ask. Like you know, about your training, about building paramotors. Where should we start? I mean, uh, how'd you train? So uh, the, the training process. Uh, the training is a really good question. Um, uh, I'm self-trained. So I basically just did, I completely indulged myself in all of the information re regarding paramotors. Cause you don't really know what you don't know. So I needed to reach out to like forums and figure out like, what kind of stuff am I supposed to know? What kind of motor do I get? What kind of wing do I get? Uh, what books do I read? Uh, so I bought uh, the PBG Bible. Um, I, I forgot who the author, author of that is, but, uh, there's a lot of really good information in there. So essentially I read that thing, uh, cover to cover. Uh, I watched a lot of YouTube videos from um, like prominent personalities uh, out there in the paramotor community. Uh, Del Shanzi, love him or hate him, was one of them. I saw a couple of his video videos. So I was like, okay, cool. You know, there's, there's some, there's some okay information in here. Uh, Captain Kurt was another one. He had a lot of good uh, parachute handling techniques that I, I picked up for when I started kiting at the beach. Um, and then from there, it was just a bunch of other like videos of people taking off, uh, lots of Tucker got videos, obviously. So from there, once I got the gear, I had all the baseline knowledge and kind of understood, uh, you know, what to do and more importantly, what not to do. Uh, I took my wing to the beach and, uh, for, you know, like week after week after week, every weekend I was out there just standing at the beach, um, with nice, smooth laminar air, just kiting my wing, uh, seeing what all the different lines did. Uh, learning my, my parachute handling. And then uh, one day, I uh, once I felt I had learned enough, I took it, took it out to a field, took off and started to learn the rest in the air. Um, so if I if I'd done anything differently, what I probably would have done is 
reach out to the community first and find people to fly with or find people to like be there for my first flight. But I was completely like, uh, completely solo. Uh, so that's, that's the only thing I would have done differently. Uh, If anybody watching finds themselves in the same situation, please talk to other people first before you do it. Uh, I didn't really have any accidents or anything like that. Nothing major ever happened to me, but I think I was just kind of lucky. Um, I'm really glad that in my first 50 hours or so, I started to uh, meet people in my area and fly with them. And a couple people were nice enough to notice like the way I handled my wing or the way I took off, like something wasn't quite right. And they were nice enough to give me pointers and I didn't even realize I was doing anything wrong. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. Interesting. Um, just real quick, what are some of the things that you were doing wrong that you didn't know that you were doing wrong? Uh, one of the big ones was I was leaning into my takeoffs too much. So when you first start to take off, you obviously have to you know shift some weight into it to pull your wing up. Uh, and apparently on on my takeoffs, I was staying like lean forward, like I was still pulling on the wing, and that obviously you're wasting a little bit of your thrust because it's going upwards instead of you know backwards to propel you forwards. So uh, there was there was that. <clears throat> Um, my, my nil wind takeoffs were, were pretty bad, uh, on days with very little wind, I had a really hard time keeping my parachute above my head. So, uh, I got a lot of really good pointers from some other guys in the area about, you know, staying on your aids really late. Um, uh, you know, just run, like run really, really fast. Like if you think you're running fast enough, run twice as fast type of type of thing. And those that once I learned that type of information, my nil wind takeoffs were a lot better. Well, that's good. And what was your first wing then? Uh, so my first wing, which I actually just got rid of, uh, was a Mac Para Muse 3. Uh, it was a 22 meter, I believe. Uh, definitely an A-wing for sure. This uh, it, very, very, very stable. Um, the inflation characteristics were good, but uh, the way I would desc- the the way I would describe how it flies, it's very chunky. Um, you know, it's it flies like a Cadillac would fly. I, w- I would imagine. I'm trying to imagine a Cadillac flying. That would be really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so, so you sold that and now you got what? So uh, now I'm flying a Dudek Nucleon XX and uh, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, honestly, I should have started with this wing. Um, another bit of misinformation, I would call it, that I heard on the forums when I was first doing research is like, you know, you want to start off with like an A-wing, you want to like start off with training wheels, you know, the most basic thing possible. And uh, I really feel like if I had surrounded myself with people that were knowledgeable enough, I could have just started off with this wing to begin with and, you know, not have missed out on a lot, a lot of good flying. So the the, the current wing I'm flying is a, an intermediate wing. Um, it's got 2D steering and all the, the fancy bells and whistles and stuff. So and my flying experience is definitely a lot better. Uh, I can, I can actually keep up with people now, which I'm not used to, you know, I'm used to having to beg everybody over the radio to like slow down to let me catch up. And I don't have to do that anymore, which is awesome. Uh, the panel, uh, you have any questions or do we have any questions in the chat? I'm just a question about the whole thing. Cause I'm basically self-training also. So for him to sit there and be so dedicated on his own, not be around anyone that is flying, you know, I got into it because of Mark and um, did that first tandem and that got me hooked. That was his mistake to challenge me on that one because now he has to spend money on me. 
but I'm just like, there's just so many people to hear from and learn from. And I've gotten a lot of good tidbits. I've got some things that just don't work for me. So I'm just like so inspired to listen to his story because I feel like there's hope for me. And I don't know how much hope because he's obviously a lot smarter than me. I would never be able to um, build my own paramotor. But I'm just like, what was the best advice he read videos or that he received from people when he was first learning through the self-training? Man, uh, that's, that's a hard question because there's a lot of advice that I feel like you need. Like there isn't one big, like, you know, uh, like that's it piece of information that I can think of where I like, you know, that completely changed my perspective. Uh, there definitely was some bad information that I heard. Uh, so the, the rec, the recommendations for an A-wing was, was probably one of them. Um, uh, the other piece of bad information I got was, I heard people on the, the forums talking about like, oh, you, you need to go with a, a rig that's as light as possible. Like the smaller the motor, the better, like your takeoffs are going to be so much easier. You're not going to get tired on the ground, you know, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I don't feel like that's true for everybody. Um, if I were a like light, uh, older gentleman in like my seventies or, or up, that might be good advice, but um, for somebody in their twenties, that you don't want to, you don't want to go light. Like you're not worried about your back getting sore after five minutes or anything like that. So, uh, I feel like I wish I would have started off with a with a larger motor and not listened to that advice. But a lot of the good advice I heard was uh, from the from the PPG Bible that has a lot of really good information about how to like inspect your wing and. Uh, you know, taking care of your wing is really important too. Like uh, you want to minimize UV exposure. You want to fold it up the right way. Um, you don't want to bend the cells, you know, that type of thing. Those are all really good nuggets of information to know because you're going to save yourself um, failures down the line when it comes to inspecting your rig. And uh, you're also going to prolong the lifespan of your wing, especially if you are able to minimize its UV exposure. Uh, I've heard I've heard some people make estimates that uh, every hour you leave your wing exposed to uh, to the UV, it costs you something like like five or six dollars or something like that. You break it down on a cost basis. So yeah, you have to you have to keep that in mind as well. Hey, real quick, Jordan, uh, Aviator Show in the chat uh, was asking, what was your first wing? Yeah, so my first wing was a Mac Para Muse Three. Oh, you you said that? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. The Muse. Yep. Um, and. Uh, I, I don't have any complaints. Uh, I, in fact, I was flying it up until about four weeks ago when I, when I bought my new wing. So, uh, you know, I, I put 200 plus hours on it and didn't really have any issues with it. In fact, I even put a couple holes in it and, and snapped some lines uh, that I was able to, to fix myself. And if she flew great, can, she continued to fly great even after that. I had to sew part of it back together with a needle and a thread too, which I don't, I don't, rec I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> So I always, I always ask everybody this, what was your most frustrating part of learning how to fly paramotors? Ooh, that is a good one. Um, man. So before I was familiar with the way two strokes worked, uh, you know, I've, I've worked on plenty of like engines in my day, but I've never like there's, I feel like there's a, there's a couple things you need to know about two strokes, like making sure you mix your oil properly uh, using the right oil is really, really important. I was using Royal Purple for a really long time. And uh, it, it, I hear it's good in some things like boats, but in paramotors, I don't think it can handle the heat or something because I had a lot of carbon buildup. 
So I, I had to tear my motor apart a lot to decarbonize the piston rings. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a good example. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. I mean, as, as far as the process goes, what was the most frustrating part of the process? Was it kiting? Was it the initial flight? Was it sourcing gear? What would you say as far as the process was the most hard or difficult part of the process? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, to, I would say probably when you, when you put it all together is probably where it gets really hard. Uh, there was, it took quite a bit of practice with my wing actually running with my gear to build up enough confidence to take off. And obviously that like, that's really tiring. Um, I must've done that like 15 or 20 times before I actually took off, just hooked into my harness with my motor motor off, just wing, like inflating wind, uh, practicing running. Like that was, that was, that was pretty hard. Kiting, uh, I actually had a lot of fun doing that because I would just, I'd make a day out of it. You know, I'd go to the beach with like a cooler and some drinks and stuff and just kind of hook my harness and wing up and just hang out there with my wing, kiting it around. So that, I actually enjoyed that part, but that definitely was really time consuming for sure. Sure. I've always heard a saying uh, when it comes to training, you know, you get what you pay for. And if you don't spend it on training, you're going to spend it on frustration and damaged equipment. You seem to kind of be the exception to that. You said you hadn't had many incidents. Have you had damaged gear or bought the wrong thing because you didn't get training first? Yeah, uh, I'm definitely not the exception to that. So uh, what, one thing I've heard, I've heard something very similar. Uh, what you don't pay for in training, you're going to pay for in broken props. And I have a garage yeah. for broken props that I can show you. Uh, I think I'm on number five now. Only three of them were or only, only two of those props I actually broke doing something on accident, like tripping or crashing into something. The other two were just like weird freak. freak. Yeah, stuff happens too, you yeah. know. I broke, one on a, I broke one on a trailer. I'm really mad about that. I had it on my cargo carrier on the back of my car. And uh, I was going through a school zone and hit a speed bump. And my paramotor flexed into my, my prop and snapped it. So I'm, I'm still oh, on that. But yeah, I did go through, uh, I went through two props, learning the ropes, so to speak, uh, you know, tripping, um, landing the wrong way. Uh, my, my Nirvana cage, like after I bent it, which I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to get into, I, I bent my Nirvana cage on a landing one time. And uh, after that, it had a hard time staying into the, uh, the fiberglass chassis that they, that they have. It just wouldn't stay like clipped in. So one day I was coming in for a landing and uh, the, uh, the prop cage popped out of the, the fiberglass and hit my prop, which was still spinning. So I lost a prop that way as well. Hey, real quick. I was just on the uh, chat looking at uh, who's there and we had the aviator show and then Kate, uh, Kent Stamey just sent us 10 bucks. So thank you very much. We appreciate you. It's awesome. Hey, I have to say when I, when I met Jordan at uh, Swanee Pear Fest, you know, he was one of the few guys that were out there in the middle of the day when it was gusty and windy, but JP was one of them. You know, they would fly what I call more uh, advanced level conditions. <clears throat> you would never have thought this guy, you know, he trained himself. He built his own paramotors because, you know, he, he looked to me like he had the right training. He knew what he was doing. He was Did flying in conditions that – what's that? Did I meet Jordan? Well, he, he was there at Swanee. I don't know if you met him personally. Uh, but y'all were, were kicking the soccer balls at the same time. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I remember the soccer balls, yep. Was he parked to the left of us? Uh, I was kind of in the middle of all the trailers. Uh, I, I can't. I couldn't. Were you on a Viper at one point with uh, a Speedster also? I might have. I flew a couple wings while I was there. I, I can't. I think I remember yeah. seeing you. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I've got him. He, he's in some of the background shots. Okay. You'll you'll know me by the red Mac pair. I think I'm the only one there with a big red, like solid red wing. Okay. Okay. Did you uh, try out that trailer at all that was parked behind everything? Try out the trailer. The uh, flat trailer, flatbed. Oh yes, there I was... did. Yeah, I had to foot drag that thing. It was just yep. like okay. everybody had to. Yep. <laughs> I was begging for it. Yep. I know. I know the guy that uh, left it there. I'm yeah, I was taking... talking to him the night before. He brought that to be foot dragged. That's he was awesome. talking about He's mounting. Gonna... He was going to mount a GoPro to the front or back of it or something and, and you know, do a time lapse of how many people foot dragged it over the course of the weekend. Yeah, he's going to be down there in Lake Wales with me in February. We're taking the SIV. He's going to be in my class. Scott. Nice. Very cool. I have a question, but listen to y'all talking. A question came through my head. So I'm just, you know, thinking about my own nerves and stuff like that too, but self-training. So you haven't had any training at all with anyone other than just reading the Bible and watching tons of videos and talking to some people, but that's it, right? Before my first flight, yes. Since then, I've continued, like, I'm always learning from other people. Um, so since then, especially in my first, like, in my first 100 hours, when I had, like, met enough people to be, you know, I was consistently flying with other people at that point. Uh, once I started flying with, with other groups, I started to rapidly pick up more information that, honestly, I think I should have known to begin with which is why my biggest recommendation is to not, not try it by yourself. Just find before your first flight, find somebody else who does it. Uh, find, find a good source of information. Like be careful who you listen to as well. Make sure the person you're listening to isn't completely full of crap. Um, that, that, what he said right there. Uh, there's, there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of uh, dangerous things that float around inside the community sometimes from people giving bad advice and not not exactly knowing what they're talking about and honestly i'm i'm guilty of that too i've done it before when i was too new to know that i didn't know anything uh, there's a term for that it's the um uh what, the yeah i, I forgot i'll remember in a second jordan you're you're not supposed to give away my trade secrets that's how i get students i purposefully go on facebook give them bad information yeah. so that way they come to me to get the right information <laughs> It's a uh, sale oh. tactic, and you're telling everyone how I do it, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry. Man. I'm sorry. We've all, we've all seen we've all seen those um, give advice and try to get students or people in the air, and well, it it's scary. Let let's just say. Are you? Do you mean it's the same advice that shows up on every crash incident page that says that you should have had a crumple zone, a different shaped oh wing God. that's red and white? If I hear crumble, no. no, I'm thinking of just at Swanee. I've seen it. Not yeah, not Swanee at uh, Vail, North Carolina. There was somebody so, teaching someone how to fly for the first time, and I'm like, mm, "All right, good luck. Hope it all works." Video out. Of that wasn't there, Shane. Video floating <laughs> around of that. I don't know. So, I was too busy drinking. So when <laughs> when lying. you start when you start designing a paramotor, Jordan, 
what characteristics do you as a pilot take into account? What are you looking for? Are you looking for torque compensation? Are you looking for comfort? Are you trying to mix them together? Strength? How do you, how do you come about your design? Yeah, just a well-rounded mix of everything, honestly. Um, I, there's no use in having a ton of power if like it's so annoying, you know, the, the torque turn is so annoying that you can barely fly it. Uh, in addition to that, like you want to make sure everything is mounted correctly. Um, one of the issues I heard from this frame, uh, the, off the guy I bought it from, he was having a lot of issues where, uh, his motor, he said was, he felt like it was pushing on like the back of his head. And if he gassed it too much, he could feel it tipping forward. And that's a, is that a, is that a red line frame, a titanium red line frame? So this is an air fur frame. Uh, it is the air fur. Let me look this up. Uh, drog. I, I had a student that had one look very extremely similar to that. And I found that characteristic when I flew it too. If I did a wing over and then went into power in the wing over, it would like push me head down into the wing over. Really? It felt really uncomfortable. Okay. So this is the air for drawn. Um, uh, I've heard, yeah, I heard a similar complaint off of the guy I bought it from. Uh, from what I understand, I, I think he's, his motor just wasn't mounting correctly. He had a friend build it for him or something along those lines. I don't think he ordered it with the motor. So somebody else had mounted it. And I think that they mounted the, uh, there, there's something that, that you want to be really concerned with when you're building your own paramotor, the center of thrust and the ratio of your center to thrust to the center of, of gravity. Um, you want to make sure that your, your thrust is centered in just such a way where when you're hanging from your harness, uh, your center of thrust and your, the way you, you're pulling on the paramotor doesn't cause you to lean back or lean forward too far. You want to be just right in the middle. Yeah, you want to have a straight through thrust line and not have a, an asymmetric geometry. Yeah, uh, I mean, to a certain extent, you can adjust a lot of that in uh, if you have J-bars where you attach your hang points on your J-bars. Right. Uh, but uh, from, from, from what it sounded like, his issue was that his motor was mounted his center of thrust was too high. So it was kind of like the center of the frame was here. His motor center of thrust was up here and it was kind of pushing downwards because every time he thrust. Right. It. Correct. Yeah. So what we did was we actually measured the prop distance between the prop and the hoop at the top, the bottom, and then both sides. So mm -hmm. we got all North, South, East, West measurements and the propeller was in the very center of the hoop. So it wasn't that it was a, a, a misplacement of the engine. It was just like you were saying that the hang point versus the thrust line wasn't in line. It was like the motor sat above the actual hang point. So then when you gave thrust, it gave this tipping motion instead of being straight in line, giving a pushing motion. Yeah, that's exactly what they described. There's a couple things you can do to compensate for that. Um, uh, for, for me, I had to choke my harness up a little bit. So you can control how, depending on what type of harness you have, uh, I have a, a Dudek. Uh, you can control how high or low your harness is on the rig uh, with just a couple straps. You tighten them to slide it upwards and you loosen them to slide it downwards a little bit. Mine is all the way up. It's there as high as you can go. Um, uh, so I think, I think it's, my setup is pretty much just perfect. Uh, my center of thrust is just very very slightly above my uh where my hang points would be so i notice almost no there's no um pitch uh there's no there's no pitching action from me uh, getting on or letting go of the gas okay that's good so you said you built two paramotors do you still have both of them i'll say one in the background 
So I, I have this one. I sold off my other one. Uh, I do have pictures of my old one. If you guys want, I could pull that up and show you. I'll kind of show you where I started and uh, where I am now. So let me see if I can get that open. All right. While you're doing that, uh, Brian, is there any way that you can shout out everybody that's on the um, the super <laughs> chat, please? What time is it? Yeah. Is it time? Is it time for the lazy Susan? Uh, we are going to be making sure that everybody is in the spinny thing here in just a moment because we got a couple of things that we're going to be giving away. Is that a rodeo? Okay, yeah. So this is where I started. Uh, I took the first picture after I had already crashed it once. So if you if you notice the uh, the cage pieces down there are a little bit tweaked uh, from from my first butt landing. Um, so this is the this is the Nirvana Calibri. Uh, they don't make this anymore, or they don't, uh, I shouldn't say they, they, sh they don't offer it with this engine anymore. The chassis is still the same, the same design from, from what I understand. But uh, so this is the, uh, the Radney Racket 120, I think is how you say it. Uh, it's a 120cc, uh, it's like 13 horsepower or something like that. It's kind of, it's definitely low on the power. Uh, this was my first mistake getting this. Uh, if I was interested in a Nirvana, I should have gone with the Rodeo at the time. Now, um, after I'd flown this thing quite a bit, uh, I got rid of the motor. I sold it off to uh, somebody on Facebook who was doing their own uh, custom build. And uh, then let's see. Let's go to my next real, real quick. Um, John Wayne has donated $19.99 in the super chat. Thank you very much. That's definitely going to help us uh, send out all of our gifts that we're going to be giving away here in just a moment. So make sure everybody has their, you know, said something in the super chat. So JP can put you in the spinny thing. Thanks again, John Wayne. Oh, and by the way, um, your shirt's in the mail from two weeks ago. <laughs> all right, then, yeah, let me get on to my next frame here. Uh, so what I upgraded to, uh, this is the same same chassis. Uh, you can see I've replaced the bottom two hoop pieces. Uh, those were kind of expensive. Prior to this, I had uh, spliced the aluminum tubing. Uh, this, is all, this is all aluminum, by the way. Uh, I had spliced the aluminum tubing with just some um, JB weld and some, uh, uh, some other pieces of pipe. I just shoved the tubing into, the, into the, the splice, put a bunch of JB weld in there, and that actually held up pretty well. Um, I just decided one day I was... I just got tired of it looking ugly. So I replaced these bottom two hoop pieces. And then the motor that I ended up putting on here was the, uh, this is a Simonini. Uh, I forgot. Oh yeah, it's a 202. It's a 202 CC. Um, so I bought this off of a, off of a buddy, a local guy who sells a lot of uh, stuff, a lot of wings, a lot of paramotors and parts. His name is London Ivy. He's a really good source of information and, and stuff. If you're in central Florida. Well, London is an awesome guy. Yeah, that guy's that guy's absolutely fantastic. I wish there were more people in the community like him. Uh, we could use less Delshanzis and more London Ivies, I think. Uh, absolutely. But uh, so I bought this motor off of him. <clears throat> I think it had like a hundred, uh, hundred or so hours on it already when I bought it, but that wasn't that that big of a deal to me. Um. So uh, from here, uh, you can. I don't know if anybody recognizes that that reduction system right there that's from a fresh breeze fresh breeze i was gonna say that it looks like a fresh breeze drive. this is a this is a simonini 202 from a fresh from a fresh breeze i bought the nirvana exhaust to slap onto it uh nirvana has this this custom exhaust that they make with the, like a little flex pipe and i actually think it, it sounds kind of good I, I like the way their exhaust sounds um 
And then after this, uh, it, this was much more well suited to my weight. Um, this had enough power to kind of satisfy me. Uh, the issue I had with this was that there was, um, especially because it doesn't have a weight shift, there was no way to compensate for the torque. So it generated a lot of torque steer on takeoff that I had to compensate with either with um, trim or just, you know, using brakes on takeoff. But this got me through, uh, this, this rig right here got me through my next 100 or so, 150 hours, I think. Now that Nirvana, that's a high hang point, right? I believe so, yeah. I believe it is a high hang point. It doesn't. It doesn't have like articulating arms on it. The the, the carabiners come from above your shoulders. Uh no, I don't. I don't. Actually, it does. It, it does. Yes. Uh, I don't think I have any pictures of it, but I, if I remember correctly, it does. So uh, the only <clears throat> this didn't require a lot of modifications um, because Nirvana offers the rodeo, which has a Simonini on it. Um, the only difference between the Calibri and the Rodeo is that there's a bracket down on the bottom towards where the spark plug is that the uh, the Rodeo uses. And I had to remove the fuel tank and drill some holes in the fiberglass to get that to mount. Um, that was really the only, I had to buy a couple brackets, drill a couple holes, and then, you know, that was that was it. It was pretty easy to to adapt it. That's because that mounter mo the motor mounts from the head, right? Uh, it does. Uh, Front. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but um, yeah, yes, yes, you were correct. So on the bottom, there are two bolts that go into the, uh, the cylinder head cover, uh, the head. Uh, and then there's a, you basically put motor mounts into that and then those motor mounts go into a bracket, which then go into one bolt that goes into the chassis. Now the right. top side, uh, on the crank case, there, there are two more bolt holes that go into another bracket. And that bracket go goes into two more motor mounts, and then those motor mounts go into the in the plastic one more time. So I have a fun, interesting short story about learning about how that motor mounts and the reason why I ask. So I have a friend of mine that flies a flat top with that exact motor on it, and he was having issues with the electric start, and so he had the motor on and off of the frame a half a dozen times trying to get the wiring figured out. It was always constantly killing batteries. He'd take a full battery, get two or three starts, and then the battery would be dead. He'd fly around. It wouldn't charge. He's having all kinds of problems. So one day he comes out to the flying field. He tells us, you know, he's got it all sorted out. He's thumbs up, big smiles. He's, he's ready to go fly. So we lay out the wings, fires up his motor, gets it on his back. Everyone smiles. He gets up into the air, takes off, gets about 400 feet, and the entire engine fell off of his frame. <laughs> fell the 400 feet to a grass field wow. below. He wound, he wound up gliding down. What had happened is he did he had failed to use any Loctite on the bolts, and so when he put the motor back on, he just put it all back on quickly and didn't actually you know do a complete job. And so it only took him 400 feet worth of flying before all the bolts vibrated out and the whole motor disassembled itself from the paramotor. Yeah, man. Uh, all of the issues I hear with like uh, mechanical problems in flight after somebody had worked on it, it's that, th that same story every single time. They were in a hurry to do something. Um, they didn't tighten bolts enough. They didn't use the right stuff. Like I not only use Loctite, but I use um, uh, uh, compression washers, uh, lock washers, lock washers. I'm mind blank here. I use lock washers on all the, the stuff that's supposed to have lock washers. Um, I, I don't really, 
I'm supposed to be torquing certain bolts to a certain spec, uh, especially like the engine bolts, but I don't, I don't have torque. I don't have a torque wrench. I probably should. Tight plus half, right? <laughs> Tight plus half. Uh, what was that? What's that, Brian? For the critical nuts and bolts, you can also use some bright colored paint on the outside so you can tell if it's uh, turned at all. Just a visual check. Yep. Yeah, some, some good torque mark paint. I'm, what I'm actually more concerned with, I'm concerned with over-torquing it. Uh, so, you know, the, the whole combustion chamber is all aluminum. Um, aluminum likes to expand when it gets hot. Uh, it's a little bit more brittle than most metals. So uh, what, I'm, what I'm worried about is putting a, a torque too, too powerful on it. And as it heats up, it doesn't, you know, it's tightened down so tightly that it just cracks. Uh, so right. you, can de- you can go too loose, but you can also definitely go too tight. You have to watch out for that as well. Hey, real quick, right. can we get a uh, screenshot, guys? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Everybody ready? Smile. This will be our thumbnail, and uh, Linda will use it. Mark is going, so I guess I guess he's just going to have to have his uh, He's coming. Hey, go get the little boy. Oh, man. Fix our hair. Fix our hair. While we're trying to get Mark a... He was uh, going to his own. He doesn't want to take it with me. He's coming. All right, no problem. Okay, right after the screenshot, uh, Brian, go ahead and uh, shout out everybody, and then we're going to be spinning here in a moment. All right. Thumbs up. Thumbs All up. right. There. I can't see myself. There I am. Hey, there I am. <laughs> Half of me is gone. <laughs> you got skinny. That's no sugar dots working. Oh man, I tell you. All right, so we put all this. I know, right? Who's the director? Are we finished? Was that it? Three, two, one, go, go, go. Exactly. I, I hope so, JP. We're good. I hope so. We're, We're good. Okay. No. We're hey, good. Brian, can you uh, shout out everybody in the uh, in the chat before we spin the Yeah, spin I'll, I'll, I'll go through the top ones I see here. I see Bill H., Hank Lynch, Never Trust a Skinny Chef Shane, Yay. Kent Stanley, uh, Mark H., we got Kelvin Ferguson, David Wolf. Uh, John Wayne, Shannon Brooks. Yeah. And... I don't know if you guys saw the recent pictures that Shannon put up, but the stuff Bill he's doing is fire. <laughs> Hank Lynch, can't stand me. I said already. The medicine he's got is good. Aaron Safka. So sorry if I missed you. Plainfield PPG, UFO paramotor or powered paracliders. And uh, and Eric Farewell was in the chat. Shout out to Eric Farewell. Yes. Good job, Brian. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I missed a few. Aviator Show was in there briefly. Yep. Yay. I have to say that I was a very adamant Aviator Show watcher um, before I became a pilot. So thank you, Eric, for all that stuff. Um, if, if, um, look at the spinning wheel, if JP, you want to put the spinning wheel back on real quick, if your name is not on there, let us know because oh, in about a Walter, minute, add Walter. Oh, Walter. Oh, 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 oh. He just joined in. The Aussie. Walter's an honorary <laughs> winner though, because he, he can't actually win anything. We have to <laughs> ship it to Australia. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, it, we'll send it P.O.D. <laughs> oh, your, your Danskis just showed up. Oh, oh good. Of course, it's 745. They want to win the uh, the shirt. 
Okay, so yeah, viewership tonight, always gonna... goes always goes up for about fifteen <laughs> minutes and then drops off drastically. After <laughs> we give away the shirt. Um, and uh, what is our thumbnail or what is our thumbs up to people watching? Is that a good ratio? We got thirty in the chat. We got seventeen thumbs up. Right oh, that's not enough. Come on, you guys. Thumb, thumb, thumbs it up. Thumbs it up. Any thumbs, thumbs up, up definitely thumbs helps up. us out, and we totally appreciate you guys. Well, I have Paris Swag USA on there twice, and I'm not on there. If, if you haven't thumbs up, if you got to tell us in the chat if you thumbs up. If you haven't thumbs up, I'm take your name off the list. <laughs> where's, the, where's the thumbs up? I'm teasing. I only saw it once. Okay. I gotta you got to you got to close out the chat if you're on your phone to see the thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. Good All job. right. Real quick uh before we spin, JP, can you take that down? I'm going to show um our sponsor real quick or one of our uh sponsors real quick. That way y'all hey, can... Thank you $10 for your damn keys. Yay. Oh. Thank you. You are really helping us out being able to get all these things out to people. So I totally appreciate you. Let me go ahead and share my screen real, real quick. Uh, so we have two things that we're going to be giving away today. Uh, one is a gift certificate from great3d.com. They do a lot of custom carbon fiber cutting and 3D printing. And one of the things that, if I still have it on here, where is it? They have carbon fiber prop plates and prop spacers. Now. Uh, JP, you have one. Is that correct? I, I, I have, have one. one. I, I have one. the prop. I have the prop spacer and and the the prop flange, and they're very very nice. Very nice. I I would buy them over and over and over again if I needed to. Okay, so that is one of our sponsors for tonight. The other sponsor is Mark and Amy George. They uh, run Paraswag USA. Uh, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about your company and what we're giving away tonight? Or Amy, I don't care. Mark is on mute. Come on, Mark. <laughs> He's giving away a lovely Paraswag USA t-shirt tonight. Mark's technically challenged. It's gonna be t-shirt will be much. Yeah. No, I was double muted. Can you um, hear me? Now we can hear you. Okay. You were double muted. Was that double like for muted. extra protection? <laughs> yeah, it's a double bagger. You really have that hers comes to, off. You really You're, have that much to say about us? You got to double mute yourself. Good that's right. That's right. Oh that's right. I don't want anything to slip. Your uh, <laughs> your microphone is like really super loud. It's because he was double muted. <laughs> He's double loud. He's double loud. Poor Marky Mark. Oh my God! But look so at Amy, chick. She's on it. Look at her. She's just... See, the yeah. thing is, yeah, he's Amy, Texas. everything's bigger in Texas. While he's trying to figure out his microphone, Amy. While he's trying to figure out his microphone, Amy, can you tell us about Parachick Pies real quick? And All right, Parachick Pies. Uh, are you donating to Resurgence PPG? Okay. Yeah, it got started from when you did a veterans. Uh, show honoring the veterans and so we were talking about things we could do and so I thought well we're going to Quintana and it's going to be a fly-in honoring veterans as well so I'll do some pies and help raise some money and um, for Resurgence PBG I still uh, would like to try to raise enough money to sponsor two new pilots to go through school 
and we that came about doing the pair of chick pies website and on facebook they won't change my name so i have to make a new facebook page but right now it's the chocolate armadillo and because of you and shane i now have a youtube channel the para chick and i did my first Ooh. valentine's treat number one yesterday and in the oven, we're baking some loving for our second Valentine's treat, trying to make it nice and easy for Valentine's Day coming up. Love it. Now, now, now real quick, just so everybody knows, each person that Resurgence PPG puts through, that's about $7,000. And you want to put two people through, you're trying to raise $14,000, right? That's going to be my ultimate goal. Yes. Awesome. So, awesome. Yep. So you're really good. Wonderful. I like that. Amy, Mark, did you want to say anything about your Paris Swag USA before? I don't know. Can you hear me? We can hear you now. This sounds good. All right. Does it sound good when I go paraswagusa.com? Not as good as it usually does. Oh, well. I've messed with the mic because Miss Thing over here won her own YouTube channel, so we had to do some videos, and I had to jack all my video equipment up. So <laughs> now it's all needs to be reset, and i got to figure it all out. It took me three uh, months to figure it out the first time. Now you just sound like PPG grandpa on, on just regular, you know. Headphones. That's right. Hey, I didn't want to upstage you on your own show, man. I was like, that's got to stop. So right. <clears throat> I have more to make real quick. I did not tell you to mess with your big mic. Okay. That's what she said. <laughs> All right. We got Don't the spin wheel going. So right yeah, now. we're giving away a shirt, paraswagusa.com. We carry frames, different PPG gear uh check us out uh we're doing some contracts on some um some new items that we're going to be giving away we're going to be on our paramotor nation next month and we're going to be revealing those items that we're going to be carrying so uh definitely be uh stay tuned and check that out with david really Wood. really we're not going to reveal it here on on this show okay i see how it is well he got here to me first <laughs> all right hey, how so about this i'll make a deal with you I'll do one on his show and one on your show. How's that? Hey, all right. Fair that enough. Works. Yeah, that works. There you go. You're awesome, Mark. So tonight we got a gift certificate to great3d.com and we got a Paris Swag USA t-shirt. What should we spend for first or should the first person that win gets to choose? Let's do that. What's that, what's that JP's type? And I can't quite read that. This David Hoops, compare what? This show is better. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey it's only better because jp's on it <laughs> hey i'll take to that <laughs> all right so what we'll do is we'll spin and whoever wins a spin gets the choice between a gift certificate and a t-shirt hey, hey sure. ready? Here we go. jp spin whenever you're ready brother all right, uh, wait, hang on one second. Brown chicken, brown cow. Shane, what you want to say, Shane? Shane? Yeah, Sean, people that um, uh, gave money in the chat, in the super chat, um, should they be on the wheel twice? I'm already ahead of you, Shane. It's already done. <laughs> All right, just check it. So, so basically the wheel is rigged for tonight. Is that what you're saying? Well, <laughs> like so you have to pay to play. Just like college football. If you want it to be fair, you got to donate. That's all I'm saying. So if, if we give there, five people. times, do we get our name on there five times? Yes. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Um, yes, no. Just want to let you all know, too, that 
uh, with the donations, I was able to get a stamps.com. Well, you can't see nothing with this, can you? My background is awesome. Mm -hmm. Stamps.com. I'm able to, uh, I got a scale and everything. So we're going to be able to send everything out from here immediately. Matter of fact, we're going to be printing our own shirts here in a little bit. So we'll be able to give out some clear prop TV shirts also. Um, hopefully a lot. And the more donations, uh, the better because we have more money to, you know, make these uh, t-shirts and graphics design and send them out. So we're just trying to break even on all this stuff, and we appreciate you guys. Whenever um, JP is ready, we can spin the wheel. And whoever. Spin that wheel. And, and Jordan Anger <laughs> also said that he can stay on here all night long. So. All night. You can do it all night long. In the morning, I'm down. Ooh, I didn't I mean, put Jordan on. in the wheel. Don't you have any of those uh, Paraswag USA stickers left? Yes. I, I wish somebody would have put that sticker in the in, in that box with that pod. There was one in the pod. I gave you a sticker. <laughs> no. Yes, sir. There was he one in the away. pod. He Honey. threw it away on accident. It was there. I can't, I can't I can't read the box. name. All right. Did you eat the sticker, Shane? He ate the sticker. It was too. it was kind of chewy. I didn't know if that was. <laughs> the Is it gonna be Jer Paramotor? Oh, my screen froze up. Uh, did it freeze or did it stop? Eric Lear. Eric Lear. Eric Lear. Wait a minute. Maybe it, it, be ben might be, it might be Ben. If ben? it keeps going, Ben will win. Blow on it. Blow on it. Eric. Eric or Jade wins all the time. Yeah. All right, Eric, you in the chat, man? What T-shirt does he get if he gets a choice? Well, this one. Oh, I only have Mark H just gave 20 bucks. Thank you, Mark. Yay! Oh, Mark H put, put him on uh, twice. He, he gets to uh, gotta, you gotta send him a fly a latte shirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Walter said rigged. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sean, I'll give my shirt away. Right now, what, what do you got? <laughs> there you go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All I have is a large T-shirt, so if it's any other size other than a large, um, Eric, Eric confirmed he's still there. He says thank you. All right, so okay. Eric, right hey, Eric, Eric, in the chat, real quick, what size do you need, please? This size this because that will lead us to know who's going to be. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you want the shirt or do you want the gift certificate? That's what we need to ask. And if it's the shirt, what size? You have 20 seconds. <laughs> he, he said, ding, ding, ding. He did say sweet. Ding, 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 ding. I do have a large here. Do you want the shirt or do you want the gift certificate? The gift certificate is for $25. So we start another 20-second clock now? Ding, oh, ding, uh, ding. Gift certificate. Oh, he wants the gift, gift certificate. certificate. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Hey. Um, Eric, do me a favor. Email me at ppggrandpa at gmail.com. And uh, I just have to email you this. So... I'll just email you back because it's a code 
It's not an actual certificate, even though it should be a certificate, but it's just a code. Um, and we will be giving away these using certificates over the next couple weeks. So make sure you come back. Um, anybody that has donated gets two ticks on the wheel, of course. And so the next one is going to be, wait a minute, Amy, are you giving away your shirt now? Is that what no, she ain't giving away her shirt. <laughs> <laughs> because if we're going to give away your shirt right now, we should spend for your shirt first. You want me to give it my shirt? Are, I, you said you were going to. I'm just asking. Are we really doing it? Are we, are we spending shirts? What's that? Are we short shirts? Is this a family friendly show or? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she's not going to give the shirt off her back. I thought. Oh, she was I thought. I misunderstood. Oh, literally, my shirt. No, yeah, I thought it was the shirt she was wearing. Sean, 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 we gave you literally every shirt we had left. Really? Okay, so yes. I have one large shirt left. Well, unless you want this one. Uh, we can, we, we'll just give it away this Are you going to sign it? Yes, I will sign it. So you're going to give away your pear chick pie shirt? Walter said he will pay three thousand dollars to get that shirt. but I will sign it for pear chick pies. I'll sign pear chick. I believe it. For swag USA. That's so funny. All right. Where is the gift certificate too? Um, you mentioned it's a twenty-five dollars gift certificate. It's a gift certificate to great3d.com. Okay. And uh, they're the ones that make the carbon fiber prop plates and prop spacers and a bunch of other things. <clears throat> All right. So we are going to give away the t-shirt that you gave me or give away the t-shirt that you got. What do you want to do? Uh, okay. Whenever you're ready, let's spin the spinning wheel. Oh, me. <laughs> JP, our tech guy. Let's do it. And Three, two, one, spin. And while we're and while we're waiting, we can hear a joke from uh, Never Trust a Skinny Chef Shane if, if he has one. Not right now. Uh -oh. I don't have a good one now. I got a fun dad joke for you. Go All for right. it. We're always. How do you how do you double the value of a Yugo? Fill the tank with gas. Bum bum bum. Are they, they're not still making the Yugos, are they? I remember back when I was younger, you know, everybody said Yugos are great. They're $3,000 for a brand new car. <laughs> you got what you paid for, just like training. <laughs> like training just I like go Yugo, y'all go in a Yugo. I think, right. I think Yugo had the same slogan as the captain. Come buy one and you'll get trained for free. <laughs> John Wayne, we just sent you out a shirt. Oh, if you already got one, oh, Bill H, are you gonna get it? Oh, Bill H, come on, Bill. Bill. It's gonna be close. Oh, it's gonna be close. It's another close. Come on, Bill. Come on, Bill. So close. Bill's in the house. Bill H. Oh my God. So much stuff. Bill H. Are you are you in the house? He was chatting earlier. I bet he is. And you need a large T-shirt. Hey, don't worry about. It. Hey, I just was writing. Take your hand, T-shirt. Go ahead and give that one away to somebody else. What did you say, Mark? You you were. 
Yeah, he lives down the road from us. We'll take, we'll get it. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Bill lives down the road from us, so we'll take care of him. Bill H. confirms. Small world in the paramotor community. Yeah. It's amazing how many people we have that live within a three hour radius of us. That's like complete opposite of Walter that lives in Australia. Well, I have a question for you. Since I still have another large t-shirt, do I keep that or do we spin again? I say we spin again and give it away, right? I do too. Okay, so how about this? Let's continue with our podcast in a half an hour at 8.30. We'll spin for another t-shirt. Okay, right I got to say one thing, Brian. Go Alabama! What? Oh, that's terrible. War Eagle. Do <laughs> <laughs> you spin for stickers or no? No. Stickers just go with the shirt. The Merch. shirt. I'm just asking because I know the one show we were spinning for stickers also. Just saying. I guess we could. I got, you know, stamps.com stuff. It shouldn't take too I, I could put the stamp. Do it. Hey, the you sticker. can send them to anybody, do but don't send them to Walter because it'll cost a freaking fortune. Oh, poor Walter. I know, poor Walter. Hey, no. Walter. Hey, Walter, do me a favor. He's like, he's like the misfit. Like, Walter, I'm an Aussie. Yeah. Walter, send me. <laughs> She's getting all sad. <laughs> <laughs> we need to send poor Walter. Walter, I'm, I'm curious to see how much it costs to, to send you something. So uh, send me an email to ppggrandpa.gmail.com. <laughs> With your address, um, I want to see how much it costs to send you something. You know, why not, right? Oh, that's right. Heck yeah. I mean, uh, look at the donations. I mean, he you is know. here every show. I mean, you know, you know what? I just had an idea. Maybe they have a flat rate shipping to Australia and we can just pack up a big box for them at one shipping rate. We said that once before, but it never happened. Well, we'll look into it. Brian Waller was over that. Oh, hey, bail. He bailed on that too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what I missed out on here. I was reading the chat. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Back, back to you, my friend. Um, one of the things that we were talking about also for an hour on the phone. I, I mean, I can't believe how much we talked. We should have, we should have recorded that because that right there is a whole oh hour podcast. We should have, we just should have recorded it. Um, Jordan, you're still on mute, by the way. And uh, so one of the things that we were talking about too is that you are gonna be, oh, wait a minute, first of all, congratulations, dad. Thank you, thank you. What? Uh, yeah. Sean Simmons over here, our PBG grandpa. Uh, I, like him, I just found out I'm gonna be a PBG dad. Uh, Woo! So, uh, Woo! Right. Yay! Uh, our due date Very is nice. sometime in July. Uh, this far out, it's, it's always a little bit up in the air, but early July. Awesome, uh, up in the air, I love it. Unintended. My little baby is going to be up in the air. I love it. So it sounds like he's going to be a paramotor, or yep. she's going to be a paramotor deep soon too. Uh, so congratulations. Age, how how soon can somebody fly? Maybe uh, four or five years old. Five before you walk. I'll get I'll get them up as soon as as soon as they want. You know they have the little remote control ones, right? Just put them on the little remote control one, right? That's not bad. Just get you a papoose and take him up with you. Fantastic idea. Fantastic. The papoose? Is that what you said? You know the baby cares you put on the front. Yeah. So fronts are called oh. papoose. 
Papoose. Papoose. Hey, it's still a baby carrier. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Jordan, they make them now that look like a hoodie jacket and you zip the baby yeah. up in it. Yeah. <laughs> Very That's manly. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, they don't, uh, like the babies aren't on the back now. The babies Sounds like something invented in Australia. I've, I've seen those. Yeah. Uh, I was hiking in Washington and I saw a couple going up a mountain. Like this is a, this is like a 10 mile hike going up a mountain with the baby just to sleep in their backpack. I was like, that's awesome. That's going to be my kid. <laughs> my kid's going to go on sweet. Forget bed. you have your baby in there and you just chunk your backpack down when you get to the camp. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, that's probably something i careful. So did they say you were dabbling with some electric paramotor or what? Yeah, this is, this is what I want to talk about is your electric mm -hmm. paramotor that, that we're putting together. We we're, we're putting together. We're, we. we're putting together. <laughs> Are we done with the wheel guys? Electric paramotor. And one of the things that we talked about too is that it's very possible in the next five years that you could have about two hours worth of flight. Could you go about um, how you got into this? And uh, JP, is your hand still raised for something? Are we done with the wheel? No, sir. In uh, 30 minutes, we're going to spin again for another shirt. Okay. Um, would you guys excuse me for a minute? I'll be back. Um, brown chicken, brown cow. Brown chicken, brown cow. Here we go again. Hey, it's 30 minutes. Have fun. Yeah. 30 um, minutes. What are you going to do for the other 28? <laughs> Shane couldn't resist. I know, right? There's the joke he was saving for us. Hey, Mark. You want to go take an hour break with me? Oh. All right, let's talk about electric paramotors. Yeah, I have a question. That thing on the on the wall there, is that like a sonar device? Is that what that is? This thing? Uh, yes. Not quite. Although it does make it does make some noise. So this is another project uh, that is finished. Um, I'm just waiting to get my full use out of it. So this, this is my electric mountain board. Um, it has two five kilowatt motors on the back of it. Uh, it produces a ton of a ton of torque. I could probably tow a car with it if I wanted to. Mm. So the reason I, I built this, uh, reason I built this is because we have a trail here in the, the Tampa area called the Pinellas Trail. It's a roughly thirty mile long, partially paved, partially like dirt trail that goes through our entire county. And um, I wanted to create a rig that could do the entire trip on one battery charge. So um, I have this guy. Uh, I I created this from you know, scratch isn't the right word, but from parts, I ordered all the parts myself, put it all together. Uh, I even made this, I think this little electronics enclosure is probably the coolest thing I did. I basically bought this waterproof uh, aluminum case, which not only keeps the electronics safe from the rain, uh, but it acts as a heat sink. So when you're pumping this much wattage through a board, uh, it produces a little bit of heat. Um, so I have a bunch of heat conductive devices in here that will radiate the heat out of the box through the aluminum chassis. Uh, so that's that's kind of part of part of my little design right there. So I guess but, fins on that box will be next, right? For yep, more heat yep, sink? Yep. Yes, yes. But yeah, this is my um this is my all-terrain skateboard essentially is what it is. Um I can, how long how long did you say that trail was? Uh, it's about 30 miles, give or take. Um I need to look it up exactly, but it's like 30 or 30 or 40. Now, miles. is that 30 miles one way or is that 30 miles, miles round trip? No, uh, it's one way. It goes from the, the north end of our county all the way to the south end, and then it loops around. Uh, so you have to do essentially 60 miles. Uh, no, it's just it, it's, it's, it has a start and a finish. So I'll go okay. from the start okay. to the finish, which I believe is about 40 miles. Okay. And you were able to complete the, the whole thing? 
Uh, what no, was I it? I have half a cup of semi-sweet chocolate chips, two tablespoons of butter, and we. Yeah. So Jordan, you were able to complete the whole thirty miles on one battery charge, like you, you designed it to do that. Yeah. It succeeded. I haven't yet. I need to do it. Uh, it's going to be an entire day thing that I'm going to have to bring, like you know, backpack for. It's going to take me a while to do it. Uh, but I designed it for it, and I've done all the calculations, and it can do it. I'm still in the proving phase. Um, I've put about 30 hours on this thing, and I haven't had any major breakdowns yet. That's what I was looking for. I don't want to break down while I'm on a trail, so I've been um, I've been proving it, like I've been testing it in a bunch of different areas to see what kind of issues I'm going to run into before I commit to this really long trip. And you said that <laughs> the backpack has the batteries. Is that what you said? No, uh, I will show you the battery here in a second. Let me, let me grab that. Now, you, you say you're studying electrical engineering. You sound like you have a background in mechanical engineering. Um, oh, no. It's going to fall into the paramotor. <laughs> did he, he say he's in Tampa? He also says that he has a Tesla battery. Yeah, yes. yeah he's in Tampa. Yes, I'm in Tampa. So um, <clears throat> I... I have like an electromechanical background, if you want to call it that. Uh, as a radar technician, we dealt with a lot of different types of equipment. Um, I had cooling water pumps. I had seawater pipes. I had, um, you know, motors, uh, you know, antenna motors, like that, that type of thing. So I, I've, I've seen a lot of it. Like I've seen a, a variety of different stuff. And I grew up in Detroit and no, no self-respecting Detroiter. Uh, you either work on cars, you're a Red Wings fan, or you know like a, a couple other things and i'm cars and red wings that's me what made you want to build an electric pair motor so that <clears throat> um getting into that uh because of my background in electronics uh you know i i understand uh i understand the basics and i understand what the the, the strengths and, and drawbacks are uh when it comes to electric vehicles <laughs> um i'm super fascinated uh electric transport is definitely like 100 the future the only reason everybody isn't driving electric cars around right now is because uh, it's cost prohibitive. Uh, the, the cost of the battery um, holds most people back because to buy a new electric car, it's going to, they start at like 30 grand. Um, now, an important milestone that we've reached for electric vehicles in the past couple of years is we've crossed the threshold where now financially it makes more sense from a, from a financial standpoint, if you look at it like that you will spend less money over the life of the car on an electric car than you will on a gas vehicle because the cost uh, of the electric vehicle has, has come down. Um, the amount of savings that you get from not having to change your oil, not having to buy gas uh, and things like that will eventually pay for the difference in, in the car itself. So uh, they're, they're super awesome. They're lower maintenance. Um, they're, you know, they're quieter. Uh, they, they just have they have a ton of advantages one of the advantages they don't have right now is cost but that will that will change too yeah as, as solar technology gets better and as battery technology gets better i can literally envision a day when our wing is a solar panel the risers are conductors and you got an electric motor on your back and you know you just need a little extra charge to get into the air and other than that you just stay up as long as you want that is freaking awesome that is possible uh, solar power is, is another thing i know a little bit about so the sun uh, the sun gives Earth about one kilowatt per square foot. A uh, thousand watts, that's, that's quite a bit. You can power a microwave with that. Um, <clears throat> but the issue is solar panels right now are only about like 15 to 20% efficient, meaning a square foot solar panel is only going to capture a fraction of that one kilowatt just because we don't have the, the chemical and electrical technology yet to get 100% of that. 
Uh, there's a little bit of talk about carbon nanotubes being able to do that sometime in the future. But right now we're at, <clears throat> I believe, I believe it's about 20% efficiency, but uh, we, we also hit another really important um, solar milestone in the past couple of years where now because of the dropping cost of solar, it is now less expensive to create a solar power plant than it is a coal power plant. So you're going to see a lot less of those being built and a lot more solar plants being built, which is good, especially in the state of Florida. Um, we could be doing a better job, but I definitely think we're doing pretty good. Um, we are, we're expanding the percentage of our electricity that comes from solar. So, Didn't you say that these electric paramotors right now with the technology that we have right now could fly for about an hour and a half? Is that what we said? Uh, so that's, that's kind of from my calculations. There's no paramotor that you could buy that claims an hour and a half right now, but uh, from from what I've calculated, if you forego all of the safety features and all of the bells and whistles, you could cram enough batteries onto a paramotor chassis to get you about an hour and a half of flight. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, 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 what are we going to not put in there? I mean, what are the safety features that we'd have to give up? So uh, when you're dealing with lithium ion batteries, um, <clears throat> there, there are some safety concerns, like uh, you need to shield it uh, to prevent like accidental punctures of the batteries. You don't want just like uh, lithium ion batteries like this. Uh, I, I brought a couple, uh, we'll do a little show and tell. You don't want uh, just bare batteries exposed like this because they'll, they'll get rusty. Um, they can get damaged by flying objects. And if you puncture them, um, you know, they, they, they store a lot of energy and they're gonna rapidly disperse all of that energy in a, in a fraction of a couple seconds. And they do that by bursting into flames. So, uh, when you're building a battery that you're going to mass produce and release to the public, there's a bunch of safety things that you need to add to it. <clears throat> um, uh, cell balancing computers, thermal overrun protection, uh, and then you need a, you need physical protection too. So uh, if I was going to build a paramotor that I was going to sell to the public, you would probably want some kind of aluminum enclosure or something like that to prevent it from um, prop strikes and uh, things like that hitting the battery. That would be a, pretty bad, especially when you're flying. But um, Batteries are, are absolutely safe, um, assuming that they're designed correctly. Uh, you know, and Tesla's cranking out like a million some vehicles a year. And, you know, they, uh, they're, they're not perfect. Like one car bursts into flames every now and then, but gasoline vehicles burst into flames all the time too. So if there's any, um, if there's any bad accident, uh, there's not a lot they can do to prevent a couple of the cells from from catching on fire, but they've done a lot in their designs to mitigate like a rapid runaway of the whole vehicle burning. So it sounds you, like a problem we need to get Elon Musk to uh, address for us. Uh, he, he, he is, in fact, uh, he's got it pretty much figured out. Uh, you can see all sorts of videos of Tesla's getting slammed into walls and the batteries getting hit. And, you know, now they just kind of like don't really do much. You know, they don't burst into flames or explode or anything like that. Maybe uh, yeah, Elon Musk on the show and talk to us about that. Yeah, we, we had a comment in the chat. Bob Garber was saying we need to find somebody that flies uh, friends with param, a paramotor friend with Elon Musk and get them into it. Actually, I know somebody, uh, an instructor at Aviator that used to work at SpaceX and, and knows Elon, but um, it's very cool. I doubt we'll ever get him on the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he's a little busy right now trying to get us to Mars. Let's save the planet, you know, no big yeah. deal. Uh, but yeah, so those safety features come at a drawback, and that drawback is weight. They add a lot of weight. So building that aluminum enclosure, uh, creating the cooling system and all the other electronics that you need with the battery, if you were going to mass produce it and sell it to people, that's, that's why people are only pushing about an hour right now, an hour of flight time. 
Um, so uh, I'll get on. So as I'm starting this tangent of electric paramotors, I'm going to bring up some examples of what is what is currently available and kind of uh, give everybody a, a state of electric paramotors uh, update. So okay. the first one I'll talk about. From what I heard, as far as electric paramotors right now, they only have a 20 minute runtime. Am I incorrect at assuming that? You can buy some with a 20 minute runtime, but they go all the way up to about an hour. Um, now you have to take that time with a grain of salt because uh, what they're doing, when they say like an hour of flight time, that means an hour of very relaxed flight. If you're doing a lot of like aerobatic maneuvers and you're, you're on the throttle really hard, it's going to drop. It, it might drop to 45 minutes or, or 30 minutes, but theoretically speaking. Have you speaking, ever flown one? I say that again? Have you ever flown an electric paramotor? No, I really want to. Um, I've, I've seen some in person. I've talked to people that, that have owned some, um, but I haven't flown one myself. I do know enough about them though to uh, speak, speak somewhat intelligently. So uh, the first hey, one- Mark, I'm sorry, Mark, real quick. Um, you, you sell paramotors. Uh, do you have any access to anybody that is selling or produces electric paramotors? Well, actually, to be honest, uh, the designer of the Rebel 2 RS, his name is Miro Arslav. He is actually on the team that created the seed, if you're familiar with that. Okay. Uh, but I don't, I haven't messed with anything. Uh, Evo has talked about uh, doing something with electrics. And I have a feeling that that is going to stem from him working on the seed project. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, I've got 20 years plus in the RC uh, community doing airplanes and helicopters and all that. So I've been toying with the lipos and the lithium ions for a long time. And I've seen destruction. So uh, he's right about, you know, we don't use protection on any of our batteries, but when you go get into the like the RC cars and all that, you'll notice all the RC car batteries are all enclosed in plastic enclosures because they're ramming each other and, and doing all that. So, okay, I, I didn't know that. Real quick, uh, too, anybody on the panel have any access to electric paramotors or seen them in person? I, I mean, I saw uh, Johnson Q fly one three or four times last year at Aviator when I was training a year ago. Um, you know, he would go up and fly about 20 to 25 to 30 minutes, come down, change out a battery pack, go back up and fly. Uh, I was expecting it to be super quiet. I was kind of surprised that it was not much quieter than the other paramotors that were flying over. Most of the noise is generated from a prop, not from the engine uh, when it's flying over. So uh, anyway, I, I studied acoustics for one thing I did. And I was kind of surprised by that. Um, I thought it would be a lot quieter. But, they, you know, the battery technology is just not there yet to compete with the two strokes. Mm -hmm. Well, anyways, uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, you don't get an advantage when it comes to noise. Um, obviously, like when you're ground handling, the, uh, there's no engines running or anything like that. So it's very quiet on the ground. But you, you still need to wear hearing protection and all that stuff. So you don't get that advantage. That's not one that, that electric paramotors have. Uh, but uh, to kind of like start off, um, the, the current state of electric versus gas, uh, both have their advantages and both have their disadvantages. So for the average user right now in 2021, uh, gas, gas paramotors are still going to be better. Um, from, from what I understand, most people that own electric paramotors, uh, they, it's just a second one that they have that 
you know, if they're going to a place and they don't plan for flying uh, very long, they'll, they'll bring their electric one every time. You know, they don't have to mix gas. They don't have to do any, any crazy things like that. They just bring it out, hook their stuff up and take off. They don't have to start it. They don't have to let it warm up. Nothing. You just, you know, start it and, and go and you're good. Uh, but like I said, with 30 to an hour flight times, um, at, that would deter most people from starting with, a, with an electric paramotor. So are they about the same weight as a gas powered or how much do they weigh? Some of them are lighter. Uh, that's, that's the advantage to buying one with a 30 minute flight time. Um, so some of the really high performance ones, uh, like I think the, the Exomo and uh, a couple other ones, uh, they, they give you like featherweight battery options with a really light battery and a really powerful motor. So uh, the weight comparison there would be like, it would be like flying a really light paramotor, like a, you know, like a 120. It would, it would feel the same on your back, but it has the power of a, a 202 CC. Um, so that's, that's one advantage you get. If you go with a, if you sacrifice flight time, um, you'll, uh, you'll have a much lower weight paramotor with a lot more power. So uh, that's, that's kind of a cool advantage. I could see um, one, one really useful situation where that would come in handy is uh, uh, if you're doing a competition, like your competition flying, we, you're not flying very long. You're only up in the air for like a little bit. So you want a lot of power and you want a little bit of weight so that you can do uh, extra maneuvers and you know, things like that. So paramotors would definitely come in, or electric paramotors would come in really handy in, in that instance. But uh, yeah. What, one thing people probably would not know how to think about with electric paramotors is, you know, your air temperature is going to have a pretty drastic effect on your battery life. Um, people that are, you know, flying up north in the snow and that kind of thing, I mean, you might be looking at half the battery life of somebody's in Florida flying at the same time of the year. Uh, it makes a huge difference. Tesla actually controls the temperature of their battery packs to maintain optimal performance. So that's just something another type of technology you'd have to look at to, to make a perfect electric paramotor. That, that's true. That's honestly something I, I didn't even think about. If you're flying in the winter, um, a full charge in the summer is not going to get you as far as a full charge in the, or, you know, vice versa. A full charge that's in the winter is not going to get you as, as far as a full charge in the summer. Not only that, but uh, rapidly depleting your battery charge while the battery is cold is bad for the, the chemistry inside. So mm -hmm. uh, you want to prevent yourself from doing that whenever possible and yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like brian was mentioning electric vehicles have systems in place that will heat the batteries up in those in those situations we got a question in the chat from david wolf paramotor crazy um is there a difference between gas and batteries in spinning the prop up and uh, the reaction time uh and is this uh and is i can barely see that brian can you see it can you can you read that for me he wants to know basically is there a difference in the gas and batteries of spinning the prop up reaction time and is one better than the others I mean, he's, he's bringing up the point of yeah. instantaneous yeah. torque that's of electric that's, motors that's a really good question uh yes <clears throat> electric is faster the reason for that is um uh, gas paramotors have more rotational inertia uh, they have more rotating parts and those rotating parts are heavy you know you have a piston moving back and forth uh, you have all of the, the crankshafts and, um, you know, bearings and things like that. <clears throat> to go from low RPM to high RPM, you have to spin up a lot of mass in order to do that. So uh, theoretically speaking, if you had an electric paramotor with the exact same amount of power as a gas paramotor, the electric paramotor would be able to achieve a prop RPM quicker than the, than the gas paramotor. 
That is correct. Because there's yeah. only one moving part, and it's the motor. Yeah. If, if you if you look at the torque curve for an engine, internal combustion engine, it is literally a curve with a peak, and then it drops off. Mm -hmm. And if you look at an electric motor, it starts out at the peak, and it's a flat line. Um, that's the difference between electric motors and, and gasoline engines. Yep. So. That's uh, that's. I think he said his, his name is David. That's a really good point um, that I, I didn't even think about until you mentioned it. Uh, that's, that's, that is another advantage right there that you get. Uh, that's why Tesla's make the fastest production model right. car on the, on the, on the planet right now. You I know, mean, zero to 60 in 2.7 seconds. <laughs> I used to race uh, RC cars and we used to race inside these uh, uh, AstroTurf inside uh, soccer fields. And we used to race these little electric trucks and I would take it on the weekends and go out to this dirt track. And this guy used to race his uh, gas combustion race car out there. And I would blow him away on that with the electric. He had top speed on me, but coming out of corners, I had instant torque. I mean, as soon as I come out of a corner, I was gone and he was having to rev up. You know what I mean? And, you know, something else I wanted to bring up about your battery technology that a lot of people don't know about those lithium, uh, especially the lithium polymer batteries. You have to leave them at a stored voltage. Uh, if you don't leave them at a certain stored voltage, it can uh, ruin the batteries as well. Is that not true? Uh, that's 100% true. So uh, th this thing included uh, right here has a battery management system on it. Uh, Lithium-ion batteries need computers with them that will uh, shut the cells off when they, like if you're charging it, they'll, shut the, they'll cut the cells off from the circuit once the voltage on the cell reaches a certain amount. So once it's fully charged. And then um, once it's depleted past a certain point, the, the BMS, the battery management system, will cut off the battery to prevent it from depleting any further. Once it goes below that, there are some chemical reactions inside of the battery that will lower its lifespan. So you don't want to overcharge it and you don't want to over discharge it for that, for that reason. Now, uh, that's, that's not that much of an issue because uh, the computers are very simple. Uh, computers is kind of a strong word there. It's really just a circuit board with some um, uh, some like uh, voltage monitoring circuitry on it and a couple of resistors, and that's that's really it. So they don't add a lot of weight. The battery management system wouldn't be a very complicated thing to add to a paramotor, but uh, if I was designing one for myself, um, I would have instead of having uh, having a battery management system on the battery, I would have uh, I would obviously put some kind of circuitry there to shut it off to prevent it from over discharging itself, but um, you could forego putting a battery management system on the actual paramotor itself by just using a balancing charger when you charge yep, it. Yeah, that's exactly what we use for our, our batteries. I use a what I call a paraboard and a balance charger. And on the paraboard, I can actually do like six batteries at one time. Yep. And it yeah, balance charges each one. So Things that we get to learn when we go on to PPG Grandpa's paramotor podcast, like... I need some glasses to be able to read the comments a little bit better. Found them. Um, it is 8.30. Do we have JP back or is he still on vacation? He looks like he's on vacation. He's trying to prove everybody wrong. Did y'all see that, Brian? What's that? Someone asked about pop strike with the electric motor. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to ask that. I have no idea what the answer is. So Mark H asks, how about safety? Gas will probably stall on the ground strike with the prop hitting. What about electric? Will it just want to keep spinning? Ooh. No, you're going to have the, you're going to have the same issue. Uh, it's it's going to be the same whether you have an electric or a, a gas paramotor. In fact, 
I would I would argue that with an electric pair motor, the prop would stop faster because of that rotational inertia thing. There's less rotating mass. So if the prop hits something, it's able to stop a little bit quicker. While yeah. the engine, you have all these engine parts that are spinning along with, with the prop that also have to come to a stop. It does bring up a good point I didn't think about with the internal combustion engine. Generally, unless you're going to do a touch and go and you want to keep going, I always kill my engine on the last part of the landing. So I come in, you know, dead stick. Um, there's no kill button on an electric paramotor. If you have a similar type throttle, it's going to be, you know, zero volts to X volts, you know? So if you come in and you, and you hit on the ground or something like that, and your hand accidentally squeezes, it's not like your props, your engine is dead. It won't do anything. It will do something that, it, that prop will spin it will up. Try. It will try. So here's, here's the beautiful thing about, uh, motor controllers. So, uh, the, this, for example, um, the electric paramotors use a very similar architecture motor. They are just, the specifications are different. They're thinner and wider usually for torque reasons that I can get into later if anybody's interested. But um, the motor controllers have a bunch of very advanced software on them that monitors the rotation of the, of the motor itself. The motor controller always knows the rotation of the motor and things like that. An advantage that you have in this specific circumstance with an electric paramotor versus a gas paramotor so you're flying your paramotor. Uh, let's say you're at your full RPM and you realize something's going wrong. You hit your stop button. All it does is cut the spark off. There's, there's enough rotational inertia for that prop to continue spinning for about one to three seconds um, while it bogs down because it doesn't have any, have, have any spark. Par, uh, electric paramotors have the advantage where uh, they have kinetic energy recovery. So does a skateboard. This thing has electric brakes that I can use to slow myself mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. You can apply that to a prop as well. So if a prop mm -hmm. is spinning at full speed, you can hit some, you could make some kind of controller with a brake to instantly stop the prop, like dead stop, like instantly. Uh, so in, in, that specific, in that specific circumstance, that electric prop would be. Yeah, that, uh, that's fine when you're in the air, but I'm thinking when we come in and we do our butt landings and our knee landings, and you know, and if you don't have precise control over that throttle, your prop may be stopped already when you're coming in for your landing. But if something happens when you go down and your hand squeezes that throttle, can that prop uh, pick back up? Didn't even think about that. It yeah. could, it you know, could, but it, it, you know, do all it kinds could, of stuff but wrong. I would think that if these things are using electronic speed controls, like most of the stuff that we use <clears> in the electric motors, you can program these electronic speed controls to do different things. So you could essentially still have a kill switch button okay. on the end. And you They're can just program that button. Relay. It would it would lock it out. And like and like Jordan was saying, it uses magnets. Most of these are brushless motors, so you're just reversing yeah. the polarity, and it's using the magnets as a brake, and it'll instantly stop the prop. Yep. I mean, if, if your throttle's not tied straight to a speed controller, straight to the motor, <clears throat> you've got some sort of controller in between that's programmable mm -hmm. that you can effectively have a stop button. And when you hit that, no matter what you do with the throttle after that, it won't come back on anytime we would set up our helicopters and our airplanes we had to go through a programming sequence with the electronic speed control and we could set it to either oh no we lost mark mark i think we lost you brother yeah he's going you lose me oh testing one two three testing one two three yeah, we you could program those ESCs to let the prop free fly, or you can have it stop when you let off the throttle. You can do a number of things with those things. It, it's pretty neat. 
Yes, yes. Uh, my skateboard has a feature that I actually had to dial back because it's really annoying. Um, so these these motors have what's called hall sensors in them. Uh, they use uh, they're they're kind of like position. They're magnetic position sensors. The the electronic speed controller inside this box can detect the speed of rotation of the motor. And there's this feature where if the the ESC detects that the motor is stuck, it will cut off the voltage. So you can apply that to a problem. <coughs> Let's say you're taking off in the ground and a stick gets stuck in your cage or something like that, and you try to spin your prop, but your prop isn't moving. Uh, the speed controller could detect that and theoretically prevent any further gassing of of the of the motor. So I I actually had to turn that feature off on my board because it was kind of annoying. Where um, I would like want to take I would want to like burn uh, do a burnout like take off really really quick and I would floor it, but it would detect that like the motor isn't spinning fast enough yet. So it would cut the, it would cut the voltage off. And I had to turn that feature off because it was just kind of getting, getting annoying. Sounds, sounds like a new one wheel uh, feature coming up here. Exactly. With, with your yeah, thing that you got going awesome. on. I just, just about asked him, do you have a one wheel and did you take it apart for the fun of it to figure out how it works? I thought about it. I've, I'm in the market for a one wheel. I'm one wheel curious. Um, <laughs> Uh, we have a guy in the area. I I would like to. I'm going to post this stuff in the chat here in a second. His name is Scott Carboni. He's the one wheel guru of Florida. I like to say. <clears throat> um, he's got a local shop that sells scooters, one wheels, a bunch of different stuff. Uh, and I'll post his info in there. He can answer any questions anybody has about one wheels. Um, but yes. Uh, on that note, uh, I should I should get back to the uh, the advantages and disadvantages of, of electric paramotors. So just to go down the list really quick. The advantages are um, power, uh, power to weight in certain circumstances. The power to weight is much higher, especially with a smaller battery. Um, instant torque, uh, those electronic features we were just talking about are all advantages. Um, setting the battery aside, uh, which has its own safety concerns, uh, the safety is arguably a little bit better. Um, way less maintenance. You don't have to spend money on gas. The electricity would cost like a third as much as, as what the gas does. So the electricity is cheaper than the gas. Uh, you don't have to buy two-stroke oil. You don't have to mix it. Um, like I said, way less maintenance. The only maintenance I could ever see needing to do on an electric motor is after, I don't know, a thousand hours or so, you probably have to replace the bearings because the bearings are going to get a little bit worn out. Um, but other than that, like they should require virtually none. Uh, battery life is, uh, is probably one of the questions people have about like electric cars. What is the battery life like? Because uh, back in the day, the old uh, the old Priuses used to need their batteries replaced every hundred thousand miles or whatever because they would they would get degraded. But that was under a completely different battery chemistry. They used to use uh, nickel cadmium or, or something along those lines. Uh, with lithium ion, uh, you can have two thousand plus charge cycles. So you charge it up and discharge it two thousand times before you really start running into any issues with with your battery. So, you know how many how many hours of two thousand flights? That's that's a ridiculous amount of hours before you have to worry about any battery issues. Exactly. It looks like John with us to spin the wheel. So if you guys just hold on, whenever JP gets back, we'll spin the wheel for another t-shirt. Sorry, Jordan, go ahead. Yeah. 35 people in the chat, man. They're hanging on. Yeah. Welcome everybody. Welcome. Hang out with hey, us. Hey, what'd you say Scott's name was? Uh, the Scott you were talking about a minute ago. Jordan. His name is Scott Carboni. Um, once I get a, f a free hand here, I will post his information in the chat. Uh, for everybody okay like he's got a shop in the in the tampa metro area that uh i'm sure they'll they'll be happy to ship stuff to anybody that that's interested in a one wheel so 
Uh, one wheels are great. Oh my God. I'm so jealous of the, the one wheel people at, at fly-ins cause they're, they're perfect for that situation. You know, you got a long row trailer that you'd have to walk otherwise. Uh, but you know, like you got a one wheel, which can go over the grass. No problem. You just hover around talking to everybody, getting, getting beers, doing whatever. You know, I thought I wanted to get me a one wheel right before I went to endless foot drag and I about spent the money on it. And I said, you know what, I'm going to wait. And I went out there. I'm 52 by the way. And, uh, so there's everybody was riding those things all over the place. And I'm like, you know what, can I try that? And I tried to, I got on that thing and I'm like, this ain't for me. I can see hospital bills start stacking up. I can see hospital bills start stacking up, but I seen everybody riding these electric bikes. So I opted out for a bicycle cause I can ride a bicycle. There you go. Time to spin that wheel. Stay with the bike, Mark. Hey, you, you, your hair's all messed up, JP. While, while JP's getting the, the wheel ready, Sean in the chat had a question yeah. that you addressed. Uh, uh, Jordan, are you using <laughs> Lipo Thor batteries? Uh, for my for my board? Uh, let, me, let me get into that. Hold on a second. Uh-oh. Hey, JP, we know that you were uh, stalling the other 28 minutes, so don't try to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Got me. So uh, that's that's uh, pretty smart of him to ask. Uh, I was gonna get into that during my electric paramotor talk, like later in the uh, later in the in our conversation. But what I'm actually using these are Tesla uh, from from a Tesla 21700 cells. So this is currently what the uh, Tesla Model Three, the Model Y, and um, I think that's it. The Model Three and the Model Y use these guys uh, 21700 cells. So how many of those things are in a car? You think? Uh, thousands, thousands of them. Um, I got a picture. Let me pull it up. So this is the battery of a Tesla Model 3. Uh, they did this teardown about a year and a half ago when they started rolling off the production line. This is what they look like right here. Uh, you all can see that, right? Holy cow. Yep. Yes. <clears throat> so You're making Sean pretty happy in the chat right now. The I way guess, these can... are configured... Um, the, the way the Tesla Model 3 does it is pretty smart. They have these four modules right here. Um, inside of these modules, uh, so when, you, when you're making a battery, uh, you'll have some batteries in parallel, some in series. Yeah. I don't know the exact amount that are in parallel and are in series, but basically these cells, uh, or these, these big battery modules, have a bunch of them in parallel. And then those parallel banks, they put a bunch of those banks in series. And uh, they just do that over and over and over and over again until you have like a 400 volt battery. Battery. Yeah, I was thinking it was over 400 volts. It's pretty high. It is. Very, it is very very high. Yeah. Can Can you show on your screen real quick? It looked like it was a like it was a double A battery. Is that about the size of it? Uh, yeah. It's a sub C battery, isn't it? Let me let me go back. Oh, just just hold it up to your on your screen because we, we can see it. So essentially, what's inside of those battery packs? is thousands of these little guys. Um, they're, they're in a container kind of like this. Uh, so what they do is, for example, right here, you'd have three in, in parallel. Uh, th these are all the positive ends of the battery. You hook three in parallel, and now it has the same voltage as one battery, but the capacity of three. Right. So what you can also do, you can hook them up in series, which the capacity will remain the same, but the voltage will go up. So positive to negative to positive. Now you have three times the voltage, but one times the, the capacity. So in my battery, my skateboard, 
this is my my ultra ultra long range battery. In fact, it's probably better to put this on the floor and bring the camera down to it. So on my longboard, um, I wanted a battery that could go the the entire length of that. Good old pelican case. So I bought a nice pelican case to keep it all waterproof. And then in here, I have uh, wow. a bunch of those cells. Wow. Some of them hooked up in parallel. Uh, you can see the parallel rails right here. All of the batteries on this rail are hooked up in parallel. There's eight of them. And then that rail of eight batteries is hooked up in series with another rail of eight. So what this is, is it's an eight parallel 12 series battery, which um, with the capacity of these batteries gives me about two kilowatt hours, which is uh, for anybody who knows anything about lithium ion batteries, that's a pretty insane amount. Um, my, uh, my hybrid has a five kilowatt hour battery in it. So right there, I'm already almost halfway to what's inside of my hybrid. Uh, you Could can, you vacuum seal those batteries? Uh, no, what, what you saw there was a Kapton tape. It's a protective non-conductive tape that you can put over it to prevent anything from um, contaminating the batteries. So uh, that, that yeah. tape is just kind of there to, to keep it from any contaminants getting inside of the, the cells. Those were 20, 21650s batteries? Uh, 2700s. So uh, what, what you actually were just referring to, this is a 18650 cell right here. You can kind of okay. see it side by side. Here's a 21700. 21700 is a little bit, little bit wider and a little bit taller. So right. the first generation Teslas, uh, Elon Musk came up with a pretty, pretty smart idea. He realized that um, battery manufacturers like LG and Panasonic were cranking like hundreds of, of thousands of these things out a day for laptops. And, uh, and he was thinking like, why don't we just make an electric car out of these? If you hook enough of them up in parallel, and enough up in series, you can power a car with it. Bam! That that came uh, that came into the first generation Tesla Roadster, and then now uh, the Tesla Model S's and the Model X's still use these, I believe. Um, yes, I use the the eighteen six. What is this? Eighteen six fifties or? Yeah, that looks like a Panasonic right there. A Panasonic eighteen six fifty. Yeah, um, it's like I a double A battery to me. It's a little bit bigger than that. Yep. But it goes. It's in my e sig. There's two of them in there. Yeah, those are good. Uh, so watch uh, all of the horror stories you hear on the news about like uh, e-cigarettes exploding. 10 times out of 10, it's from people using cheap batteries. What you have is a good one. That's a uh, Panasonic is is like those are the top of the line lithium ion batteries. Right. Uh, so you want to you want to stick to really good name brand name brand ones. Um, this, also, one is a, this one's a Sony. Uh, Sony makes them, too. Okay. Panasonic, isn't that who Tesla um, partnered with on their batteries? I believe so. Uh, yeah. I, th I think that's correct. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I know they're making their own batteries now, their gigafactories and what. But... Yeah, I think they're they're still contracted with Panasonic or something like that for their chemistry or whatever. I don't know the exact details, but they still do have a relationship with whoever their manufacturing their battery battery manufacturer was. Uh, you they're know, if you house though in the gigafactory, if you needed to find a job, you know, you wouldn't have a hard time, right? <laughs> well that's that's good that's good to hear we'll see what 2021 20, has in store uh, hopefully no no economic crashes or anything like that <clears throat> but uh so first generation tesla 18650 second generation tesla 21700s uh the new breakthrough battery technology that i think is going to be the breaking point for electric paramotors is uh was announced recently back in september with what they had called battery day 
Uh, Brian, you, you might know a little bit something about this if you follow Tesla close enough. So <clears throat> Tesla is trying to move on to the next stage of, of vehicle manufacturing. If they're going to keep up with manufacturers like Ford and Toyota, uh, they're going to need to drastically increase the amount of vehicles that they're producing. So in order to do that, they need to decrease the price of their cells and they need to simplify the manufacturing process to make them easier to make. And their solution to that was uh, a type of battery cell that they announced last September. Um, so I showed you the 21700, which is a little bit a little bit bigger. Their new cell is going to look something like this. Wow. It's, it's a pretty big difference. So uh, what they're doing is kind of smart. They basically said, hey, there's only so much lithium inside of this thing. There's only a certain percentage of this that actually goes into powering the car. Yet we still have to make this little cylinder. We have to put the cap on. We have to wrap it. We have to solder a bunch of stuff on here. And all that is wasted time. Why don't we try to do that less? So what they did was they made these batteries. Um, the battery cells much larger. So they don't have to repeatedly make a bunch of the wasted parts, like the, the shell and stuff like that. Just pack more lithium in there. <clears throat> so what prevented them from doing that in the past was before the, uh, uh, the anode and cathode technology they were using, um, if you were going to discharge your battery this large, the issue here is now, because the battery cell is so large, the inside would get much hotter than the outside since it can only radiate heat from the outside. So their solution to that was, well, you have smaller batteries and then you liquid cool them with a little pipe that goes around the outside of the battery. So their solution to the, uh, the heat difference from the inside to the outside is, they, uh, they have all these new tabs that they're gonna crimp together so that they can discharge a very large amount of current without getting very hot. Uh, and that's, that's what really was, was the game changer. So once they start manufacturing Teslas with these new cells, uh, which are, uh, they have a much higher gravimetric energy density, they call it, which is the ratio of how much it weighs versus how much energy it holds. The gravimetric energy density of this thing is about 15 to 20% better than this thing. So uh, I actually have a screen cap of the battery day announcement right here to kind of show you what I'm talking about. Uh, let me pull that up. I wish I bought some of their stock wrap for that day. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, there's no stopping the Tesla hype train. So this, this is it right here. Um, they're claiming uh, five times energy. So it's hard to picture exactly what they're talking about there. They, I think they mean energy density. Uh, like volumetric energy density, how big it is versus how much energy it has. Um, and then uh, the important thing there is 16% range. So using these batteries, they can increase their range 16% uh, better with the same amount of energy, you know, with the same amount of batteries, essentially. <clears throat> so when you apply that to a paramotor, right now, paramotors are getting about an hour flight time, give or take add another 16% to that. Um, you know, if you, if you built one that could go an hour and a half, add 16% to that and you're really close to two, two hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. And uh, two hours, I think is a pretty average flight time for most people. Uh, I'd say that's most... way above average for a lot of people. I yeah. Think. Yeah. 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 More than average. I don't know. Yeah. Mine's about two hours to two and a half. Sean, Sean you, you ain't average. Yeah, you, don't count you ain't yeah. not average. You no, ain't average bro. That's the first time you, Sean's you know, heard that. That's what my oh, wife yeah. says all the time. So I'm just used to it. <laughs> So uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of in that boat too, Sean. Um, I like my flights to be close to three hours sometimes, but for the average person, once, once these uh, start getting put in Teslas and the Teslas start crashing into stuff and we mm -hmm. get our hands on these, that's going to be the game changer for, uh, for paramotors, I think. Um, um, Brian, check the uh, chat for questions. Sean's got a couple. 
for the guest. I'm sorry. So, all right. So Sean wants to know what is the amp speed controller he's using. Um, yes, I'm a nerd, but curious. Welcome about these very good technical questions. Uh, it's I think it's a 240 amp. I need to go look at it. Uh, it's so it's a dual speed controller uh, made for controlling two different motors. Each of them I think are 120 amps. Um, so when you put them both together, the total output amperage you can do is 240. He, all right. He wants to know what the KV is on the motor, um, the okay. electric motor. Sometimes they print them on the outside. Uh, it's a 190 KV. It's a. These are made by Flipsky, by the way. Uh, Flipsky makes awesome stuff. I hate to say it. I got a background as an electrician, but what is KV in this particular instance? Um, I didn't think it was running on. Yeah, it's it. Uh, that's actually what I thought when I first heard it. KV it's not kilovolt. Has, uh, it has something to do with um, the rotations. It like the rotation speed versus how many volts you put into it. So some motors, if you put in one volt, they'll spin kind of slow. Some motors, if you put in one okay. volt, they'll spin really fast. So you, yeah, you trade yeah. torque for speed there. The slower spinning motor has more torque but less speed. So KV yeah. refers to the constant velocity of a motor. Yes. Yeah. The, the higher KV, the faster it spins. The abbreviation for kilovolt. Yep. Now, uh, what I have up, up here on screen is uh, kind of an internal view of what I was talking about before. Those are those tabs that allow them to make a battery cell this big that doesn't heat up internally. Um, what, yeah, like I said, once we get our hands on these, I think this is going to be a complete game changer for the electric paramotor community. When we were talking earlier, did you say that you have to get lithium from the ocean floor? So right now, where we get most of our lithium are countries like Argentina and Bolivia and stuff like that. Uh, they get them from salt brine pools. They essentially take a bunch of water and they pump it into the ground. And then they pump that water out of the ground into a giant pool. So that water over the course of a couple of months or whatever evaporates and it leaves behind the lithium salts. And they take those salts, and it's it's kind of cool to watch them do it. They just have these giant um, uh, these giant bulldozers, and they scrape the salt up into a big pile. They then take that salt and they refine the lithium out of it. So uh, that's currently where we get most of our lithium. Uh, what Tesla was saying during their battery day was that's not going to cut it anymore. Um, we can't uh, all of the the lithium we get from the current lithium mines aren't going to uh, satisfy the the demand the future demand for lithium in order for them to produce vehicles fast enough. So they recently got a license from EPA or somebody to do lithium nodule mining. Basically, the, there's these little rocks that are uh, embedded in the ocean floor that they can basically just go down there and scoop them up. And they're full of like lithium and a bunch of other metals and stuff like that too. So uh, you'd think like there's probably a lot of environmental concerns with this. Like, oh, you're just going to go to the bottom of the ocean and start scooping up reefs and stuff. But this is in a very, very deep part of the ocean where it's basically just sand and there's not a lot of biodiversity. So it might actually be better for the environment too uh, than the, the way they currently do it. Oh, so here's a, uh, am I muted? No. Um, you guys might have, <laughs> might have shut up. You guys might have. JP, uh, why, why are you looking a little tired, a little, a little drained? He well, walked for a couple um, minutes. You got a little glow to you right now. What, what's that glow about? Am I glowing? Like uh, a minute man glow. Yeah, hey. <laughs> I was I was a boy 
you know, for the first half of the show, I'm a man now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Oh. JP, good answer. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Anywho, Anywho, you might have already, oh, no. did, you might have already you discussed it. <laughs> that could mean anything. Um, Eric Lear uh, brings up uh, something that I would have uh, asked. Can you use uh, the, the windmilling of the prop as regenerative? Um, charging technically yes but uh the problem is that your forward speed doesn't produce yeah Yeah. it doesn't produce enough force on the prop for you to get any significant electricity generation from it um there's some electric there's some electric planes that can do that uh but they have variable pitch props they can pitch the prop in such a way where they can actually spin it up on landing and get and regenerate some electricity how difficult would it be to make a paramotor with a um, prop that you can pitch yourself as you're flying? Be heavy. Be heavy. Would it be pretty pretty difficult? Honestly, yeah. it would be. It would would be it? Okay. I think. You'd have to have a special hub that you can control. They make a variable pitch prop for RC planes, and it basically has an electric motor that has a hole right through the middle <laughs> shaft, and that middle shaft, and then you got a rod that goes through that middle shaft that hooks to the prop, but. Each one of those prop hubs have to have a mechanism connected to the each piece of the prop. So yeah, it's it like would a, have a helicopter way. facing sideways. Basically. Correct. Yeah, well, we had we had one on our, one of our experimental aircrafts in the past. Um, basically, had a potentiometer um, inside the plane, a pot that you could turn to adjust the pitch. So I mean, they're they're there. Would it, would could you make it like on maybe a a trike with a two stroke motor and have all that stuff behind you? Would that be something that you could I, do? I think it it just go. It, the gain you're looking at is probably negligible. It, it'd be cool, and it would be you know kind of a novelty sort of thing. I don't know how much practicality would be there. Paramotors, uh, not so much. We just don't move fast enough. Yeah, the RPM yeah. isn't there, and the. But my here's my question about <laughs> the electric motors and stuff. If you if you're using electricity, turn to the prop. Why couldn't you hook another mechanism to what's to the turning prop to regenerate electricity back to the batteries? So uh, what you're talking about is is a free energy machine, which doesn't exist. So, um, uh, I mean, I'm not saying you have to charge it exactly what you're using, but couldn't you regenerate some of it back to it? Uh, so (laughs) to, to try to explain why you can't do that, that's a question a lot of people have. So this is, this is a, good time to talk about it um so when an electric vehicle like a tesla or like my hybrid outside uh is braking uh, it's using electric motor braking so in order to charge the battery back up that energy has to come from somewhere and it literally takes the kinetic energy the the moving energy of the car Mm -hmm. to spin a motor to turn that back into battery electricity so in order to like let's say you had an electric motor and then a generator attached to that electric motor. Um, it takes electricity to spin the electric motor, right? But now you have a generator on the other side that is trying to steal kinetic energy from it. So yeah. the more electricity you try to generate over here, the higher load. The, this, this will basically act like a break, the more electricity you try to suck out of the, the generator, which means the more electricity you have to put in here. And the issue with that is there's about, every time you change energy sources, there's a five to 10% loss. So you're already losing energy going from chemical to electrical from the battery to the, the motor. Then you're losing a little bit of energy um, 
transferring the electrical energy into mechanical energy, you're losing about five or 10% there. And then you're going to do that all over again. So by the time you get from one battery to another battery, you've lost 20% of what you, you put in initially. Yeah, gotcha. just, just a process of transferring power from one place to another, is, there's always losses and you, yeah. there's, there's always some that you can't get back. You thermodynamics know, just, my friend thermodynamics is your is yeah your perfect perfect heat engine mm-hmm. all right it's uh, almost um nine o'clock our time and it's getting late so let's go ahead and spin the wheel real quick and this is for another paraswag usa uh, t-shirt we appreciate everyone staying on so long i just looked it looks like we have 36 yep. people watching and 36 <laughs> thumbs up so thank awesome. you very very much that is really awesome um yeah. Now we got 37 watching and 36 thumbs up. So I wonder if we could so change Jordan, that Jordan, uh, while we're spinning the wheel and then after the winter, maybe you could talk about this. I was watching some, some stuff on electric motors and, and energy, and I seen a device that a guy invented that was done with rare earth magnets, and it was basically a generator, and he had finagled these earth magnets in there to rope to go against himself. And once you started this motor... <laughs> It would run and run yeah. and run until it st- it wouldn't stop. Is that is that really possible? Uh, yes. So there's a lot of. Oh, I think it's look, gonna be a big. They look like energy. Oh, did JP JR get it? Ben. Oh, oh. paramotor NC. Gonna be Ben. Ben. Nice. Ben. I'm sorry. That's that bill. Ben. All right. Paramotor North Carolina. Didn't, didn't they win um, like last week or the week before? Hey, real real quick, I want to say congratulations, sure. Ben. Nice. Uh, yeah, follow him on TikTok and <coughs> dropping a bunch of videos on YouTube too. So, Jordan, you just gotta you just gotta keep talking. When you get interrupted, just keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, no, man, I, I've been talking too much. I've been talking too much. This, no, this, no, man, this you're, you're you got too. Yeah, but I've always been curious about that when I saw that. I was wondering if it was fake or is that something really that could be no. done? So this is this is something that confuses a lot of people uh, because like you can do this experiment, uh, you can do experiments like this at home. So there is a um, some type of wheel mechanism, I don't even know how to describe it, that uses a series of weights to like offset its gravity as like, you know, it falls, the weight goes further away from the center on one side and it comes closer to the center on the other side and, you know, all sorts of that stuff you can rig up a machine that will continuously spin with no energy put into it. All you need to do is give it a little start. But once again, there's no such energy as, or there's no such thing as free energy. So that energy has to come from somewhere. What you're actually doing is you're stealing energy from the rotation of the earth. You're the little machine that you just made is actually stealing a very, very, very small, like indistinguishable amount of speed of the earth's rotation. So you're, you're transferring the Earth's rotation speed into the, the, the speed of your little machine. And if you tried to scale that up to like, like let's say you wanted to power a city with it, number one, it would need to be absolutely gigantic. But number two, you would actually start slowing down the Earth and you would <laughs> kill all of mankind. So you don't want to do that. So this device that I saw, Jordan, was actually using rare earth magnets against themselves you would take the negative and the positive and it had two plates and once you started spinning it the force of the magnets would keep that wheel spinning it have a big base to it yes it looked like a big generator 
Well, it probably had an electric motor hidden. Yeah, in somebody. There's yeah. a lot of people that like like to troll and like make yeah. spoof machines. Yeah. That's that's you're, what this sounds like, honestly. Because then you're starting to get into perpetual motion machines, and no one's ever been able to invent a perpetual perpetual motion machine. We got a lot of things on I'm, I'm a perpetual like motion it. machine. Yeah. Uh, your mouth is a perpetual motion. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Speaking about perpetual motion machine, we did open up the. Uh, podcast to everybody so if you want to join in and talk third motors with us uh ask jordan some uh, questions hang out with us we're going to stay on for about another hour uh we are going to still be recording and you know so everybody will be able to see this so the swear jar is still on the table so watch what y'all say unless you want to put oh. some money into the super chat so i'm a sailor now. swear are we done with the wheel um yeah for today thank you so much um Paramotor NC, please email me at ppggrandpa at gmail.com. Let me know if a large is okay, because that's all I have. He and... didn't say large. He said large in the chat. Oh, good, good, good. Hey, and... hey Shane, since you're sitting there keeping an eye on the chat, what, what happens to be the score right now? I don't know, man. Oh, actually, hold on. Wait. Let me, let me summon the wife. <laughs> Wait. Wait for it. 1735, Alabama, kicking butt. What's the score? Oh. 1735, Alabama. Okay. Oh, sorry, JP. Is <coughs> that Alabama? Because I know you're not real rich, For everyone that needs to leave, thank you very much for listening to us and uh, being here. We're going to be hanging out for another uh, hour or so. Uh, we appreciate you jumping on. Um, the super thank you for still... watching us instead of the football game. <laughs> We're, watching both. We're so much better. We're watching both. No one, no one's just watching this. Come on, Ohio <laughs> 15, Atlanta 37. Okay, I need to leave All after right. I heard that score. Uh, oh, thanks, JT. <laughs> I'm looking forward to having Jordan back on after he builds his own electric paramotor and uh, starts selling them so we can interview him. Uh. Absolutely. Yeah, let, hey, let us test the first one. Paraswag USA right here. Yeah, please. Okay, I got you. With it, Jordan. Like, Paraswag will be my test dummies. Let me yeah. All right. I got, a, I got a perfect test dummy. His name's Chris Wheeler. Yeah, my dog is choking. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're probably thinking, where am I going to get all the parts for this? Like, where? what am I even going to do? Um, I've looked into that. Uh, I've, I've put a lot of thought into this, which is the only reason I'm even bringing it up. I pretty much almost have this this entire thing laid out like it's it's all up here um i know how to use like some uh, some cad software so i can draw it all up there but uh i know i know how to get a hold of, of all the parts so uh, as far as the motor goes uh the battery we talked about um for the motor uh i'm pulling it up right now there's a company called alien power systems which makes uh hobby electric motors uh they do stuff for rc cars rc planes uh, that type of thing but they actually, they've realized that uh, there's a new niche market growing, the electric paramotors, and they've actually produced an electric motor for us to use. So uh, I'm, I'm going to see if I can pull that up here. What's the price on that motor, Jordan? It's about a, it's about a thousand bucks. Let me look. <clears throat> uh, you guys can continue talking here while I look this up. It's going to take me a second. So you're going to need a motor, you're going to need an ESC, you're going to need a uh, battery pack, and you're going to need a charging system. Yes. 
Um, the charging system is, is that might be the hard part. Uh, so these motors, they run off of a pretty high voltage. The, um, the ESCs can take up to like 20 S cells mm. and find in a 20 S charger. They're not very. Yeah. Rare. So you're going to have to break those apart. That's what I was thinking earlier. You're going to have to break those apart and use something like a paraboard. So, uh, that's actually what I do with, with this battery right here. Um, so right here, this is a, it's a 12S battery. I, I have a plug right here uh, that actually- TX60? What's up? Is that a TX60? XT90. So uh, what I do, I can split the 12S cell into two 6S cells by pulling that, that little jumper out and I can charge the two banks individually as 6S's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I might be able to do something similar to that where I charge sections of the battery. Um, we yeah. actually have charger. I do 12 cells at one time. 12s batteries so mm -hmm. they've got some newer chargers on the market now you might look into that uh, All right, guys. they do make chargers for, for hey walter the, you can find chargers uh for these uh for battery packs with that high of a voltage but they're they're kind of expensive so that's another thing uh, that I'll, I'll have to work out uh, I finally did find the motor here. Uh, let me pull up, uh, pull this up on screen. And here it is. Uh, if you guys can, can see this, so this is Alien Power Systems uh, 280s BLDC motor. Uh, this is obviously made specifically for a paramotor. Uh, so they've yep. they've realized that this is a new up and coming thing. Um, wow, Dude, this is awesome. Yeah, I've I've seen uh, a couple people have already built. Uh, rigs with these motors what and is what, the diameter of that thing how big where, is it where is that where's the website what, what is it called this is a 200 millimeter so the diameter is like pretty pretty huge uh so this is alien power systems um fourteen hundred dollars like, huh yeah thir th uh 1300 euros right. so i don't know that's euros much. yeah it's probably 1500 bucks oh uh, yeah so let's do that conversion real quick here so 1500 bucks is cheaper than getting a brand new moster yeah and the exhaust won't go out in less than 25 hours. <laughs> <laughs> then Shane will be then Shane will be griping that he's got a cracked uh, battery pack or something. No, what do I need a battery pack for? In a hundred hours, I've seen I've seen the Moster Y19s break under 20 hours. Mine lasted 71, I think it was. Mm. How much are the throws? How much is what? The throttles there. Because I, I can't see. It looks really small yeah. and all of the. That's what she said. Aha. Yeah, uh, just kind of ignore this. Uh, the next thing I was going to go through is the. So you're also going to need a, an ESC that can handle a motor that large. Yeah. It'll probably yeah. be this. Um, they apparently have some really large ones to handle those those motors. So it would it'd probably be something along this line. Uh, Hopefully along. those have fans and stuff on them. Yeah, it's it's pretty big. Uh, this would have to go on the paramotor with you. There's no going around yeah. that. Um, but it doesn't look super heavy. You know, that right when I got out of the helicopters and stuff, they were getting to where they were, some of the ESCs that they were starting to put on some of those bigger helicopters, they had exhaust fans on them. Oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I think on a paramotor, though, uh, there's enough airflow where this thing Yeah, is yeah. I think so, you could utilize what, what you already have. Jordan, so, what's the price? What's the price on the controller? I can't, couldn't see that. 
Oh yeah, I should go back to that. Hold on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're that goes to another really question, small. Jordan, because the throttle is not going to work like a a regular throttle. So uh, three three hundred bucks or three hundred euros for that. That's oh, that's not bad. No, it's yeah. not. That takes up to a twenty four S uh, twenty four cells in, in parallel. So that's pretty high voltage. So how are you going to wire a throttle into this? That's what my question is. Here we go. Uh, you can use essentially the same thing I'm using for my skateboard. Uh, you could have a throttle something like this that's wireless. Um, that gets strapped to your hand, or you could have a wired one if you want. Uh, <laughs> I can just see you fly and you drop your, your throttle. <laughs> Where did it go? That's oh. my, this went with your, lose your GoPro, but man, yeah, somebody, from, somebody from the ground finds it flying you around. <laughs> you have a little lanyard on it, like you do the uh, Wii, the Wii controllers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, essentially, uh, nunchucks. Yeah. So uh, th these controllers now are advanced enough to have like a bunch of like fancy bells and whistles. So I'm, it's pretty dead. Hopefully it'll turn on. Uh, let me power it up. So I don't know if you guys can see the screen. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me change my focus here. So it gives you a lot of information as well. A ton of it. Pull, pull it back a bit, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to change the focus so that you guys can see it. So all right so listening to this and they're not watching this what are you showing right now so this oh, is the, sure. uh, the wireless remote for my electric skateboard and you can cool. use something very similar to this for an electric paramotor so on here um it shows me my mile per hour you could obviously change that to rpm or something similar to that uh shows me how many miles you could change that to you know how many hours uh you altitude yeah, uh, you could. Yeah. I'm sure you could wire up some kind of altimeter setup to this thing. That'd be cool. Yeah, I can't wait to get my RC radio and hook up to Sean's wireless throttle and help him fly through the air. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why is he porpoising up there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, you're Jordan. You're very impressive with your knowledge. I'm. I'm. I'm in. I'm fascinated with with how how well you. Uh, you're you're into this and and uh, greatly appreciate you being on the show for sure. Yeah, yeah appreciate you guys as well. Uh, I'll you tell you what, man. I haven't even been thinking about electric paramotors. I've just stuck on two stroke, you know, until tonight. So this mm -hmm. is making me think a little different. Yeah, we we need someone with uh, Jordan's knowledge in electronics and the passion for paramotors to join the two together. I think so that's we have, it, we have it, it's really. And the batteries uh, is the been the big hold up all this time, and uh, the technology. Uh, Jordan, just a quick one: that that new power cell that you showed, the big thing, is that? Um, uh, yeah, Mr. Musk has made the new battery where I understand a normal battery, your uh, negative terminal is in the centre. So the negative has got to work all its way around through the positives to come out. So he's done it as the negative has a direct line so it doesn't have to fight through the positives and that's why the battery's going to last longer. Is that right? Is that what I'm sort of understanding? Uh, kind of. I get you. So uh, I'll, pull that, I'll pull that image back up and I'll show you this. 
So in this battery, all of the, uh, the the copper tabs you see there, those would be positive. And since they're all touching each other, they're all um, you know electrically electrically the same. So you, yeah. you connect those those tabs to the top of the cell, which is positive. Uh, yeah. I will pull that up on screen. So with the current battery technology, um, the entire shell right there, all of this metal, that is all negative. It's it all acts like a ground if you want to think of it like that. Uh, Here's the, the current cells that Tesla is actually using. Uh, they, the when they sell them off, they're wrapped like this, but the whole chassis is negative. And then you have just that little cap in the center that's positive. So that's this right here is the current drawback that prevents you from making a cell that large is that the only, the only way the electricity gets out of the batteries through one small thin little strip that's connected to that tab. So the yeah. way they're getting around that is instead of having one small thin strip, they crimp a bunch of these like tiny little tabs and uh, like crimp them together. So that way the electricity doesn't have to fight a bunch of resistance to get out. It can discharge stuff. That's, that's right. So it, it enables them to have more power, but also the life because the negative doesn't have to rush through the positive. It doesn't damage the positive cells. That's yeah. the way I understand it. Yeah, so I mean, they're pumping a lot of electricity through there, and it produces a lot of heat. So they essentially well, he's, ca he's claiming thirty years out of those things, possibly. So from uh, from what I know, there is a large community of Tesla owners that they all they all update this group spreadsheet and they track their their vehicle information. <laughs> so out of California, there's a taxi service that uses uh, exclusively Teslas to like taxi people around the state. Um, they, they have racked up the most miles, and I, I believe they were the first ones to hit a million miles with a Tesla Model S. And in yep. that million miles, from what I hear, out of, out of their, 10, their 10 so cars or whatever that hit uh, this, this large amount of miles, what they were reporting is that um, on average, every like 400,000 miles or so, they had to replace a battery pack. Every 300,000 miles or so, they had to replace like a motor unit. So you know, out of a, out of a million miles, um, every once in a while, you're going to have to replace something. But you know, before you have to replace any of the major drivetrain components, you're you should be able to hit 300 plus thousand miles. Um, and most people don't keep a car that long, anyways. So that would not be 99 percent of the population. Wow, that is funny. Bob, <laughs> I just can't. I just can't take you seriously, dude. Bob, I think, I think your wife has a hold of your uh, batteries. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're coming through really, really high pitch, Bob. Um, can't keep. Can't. It's because he's in space, man. He's a, he's in the ISS. Oh, that's what it is. He's <laughs> he sounded like he was Simon the Chickmunk. Uh, try try it again. We're, we're not making fun of you. Oh yes, yes we, we are. are. <laughs> <laughs> that funny. Yeah, we, we we that was funny. Bob, we miss you. Come on, Bob, where you at, buddy? All right, he'll, he'll, he'll be back in a second. Right. Jordan, Jordan, can I ask you one other thing? Uh, with with electric, I think it's the same like with RC. It depends on how. What's the, what am I trying to get at? Uh, 
Oh, give me a moment to think. I've, I've lost my thought. He's he's in Australia, so he's ahead of us. So. <laughs> Wait, how did you rotate your video? How are you not upside down right now? Because <laughs> this toilet spin backwards. Oh, the water goes down. Well, I said, see, I was telling Amy, it's pretty hard down under. You try standing on your head 24-7 and then tell me what it feels like. Got a bad uh, yeah, man, everything already wants to kill you. You got spiders and kangaroos that are trying to fight you all the time. Like, it's, it's, it's a rough life. Yeah. You got, you got Sheila's coming at you? Sheila's? Kangaroos, you got crocodiles, you got all kinds of things over there to kill you. I thought it was yeah. Sheila for a woman. It was tequila. Sorry, what was that, Amy? I thought Sheila was a slang term for a woman. It is. It is. Yeah. And now you're a Sheila. Trying to kill us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only with love. Uh, Jordan, yeah. what I was trying to say is uh, when you've got so much battery, that, a way to use less energy to create the same power. Can that be done? Do you know what I mean? Um, the way you draw from, let's say, the cells. Um, and I suppose, like you said, it's done with computer that manages the way they discharge, charge, and all of that. I suppose that's really yeah. where it's at. But yeah, so you're talking about increasing the efficiency um so yeah so less power but the same less battery power but the same sort of talk do you know what i mean it's just like trying to get the max out of it without using a lot of fuel so yes. to speak yes so okay. uh part of the reason why tesla is named tesla it's an ode to nikola tesla who invented um the ac motor and in, in addition to a bunch of other stuff uh yeah the his AC motor invention was so revolutionary that to this day, over a hundred years later, we've improved upon it almost none. Its efficiency is really, really good. We have something yeah. now that they didn't have as much access to back then, like neodymium magnets, which are awesome for electric electric motors. But yeah. right now, electric motors themselves are like really, really high in the efficiency. It's really hard to increase it beyond what it is. It's like ninety eight percent efficient or something. Um, yeah. Where uh, when it comes to gas motors, they can absolutely increase the efficiency. Only about one third of the chemical energy that comes out of burning gasoline goes into driving a car forward. The other two thirds yeah. of that energy just goes into heat. Like, in fact, it produces so much waste heat that you have to dump it out through your radiator. And that's, yeah. that's actually why uh, uh, gas motors are so inefficient is there's so much yeah. waste. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. And that's why I say electric is the future. It's just, uh, you know, for us, especially with uh, uh, flying, well, you know, aircrafts are going that way. So uh, they know more than we. So yeah. um, what, what we do need to work on, we need to work on getting the same amount of energy into a lighter package when it comes to aircraft and paramotors. And okay. there's a lot of really promising technology um, there, I've heard of, there's a lot of stuff on the horizon, like uh, glass batteries, uh, they call them uh, silicon batteries. So instead of using lithium, they use like uh, silicon as a, uh, as a, yeah. uh, an electrolyte. So lithium in, inside, inside the battery, lithium is only about 1% of what's inside of there. All it is, is the electrolyte that allows the 
the uh, the the electrons to go back and forth. Um, yeah. Most of what the battery actually is is uh, you know a bunch of metals like a, a carbon and cobalt and um, aluminum and other things like that. Uh, yeah. So there's other batteries on the horizon that use um, other elements that promise higher gravimetric energy density. Uh, but they, they have they have their own drawbacks right now that we need to get out. Some of them are really hard to manufacture. Um, some of them they have really high energy density, but they only last like a couple hundred charges. So they need to fix they need to fix that issue. Um, but uh, there's like uh, ceramic and like glass batteries which seem really really promising as well. Uh, they in the lab have produced like ridiculous amounts of energy density. It's just a matter of like can you mass produce them and make them cheap enough to be viable for electric cars. When we finally figure out wireless power, which was another um, Tesla project, yes. as you probably know, Te Nikola uh, Tesla, uh, you know, he was trying to do wireless power using infrared or radar, I believe, uh, when they can finally figure that out. And they, they do have wireless power. Most of you have wireless chargers for your cell phones, probably, where you just sit it down and charge your phone. Uh, but they have very limited range and distance. Yes, they when they do. get that figured out, you no longer need the battery pack. So uh, this right here is one of those wireless electrical coils right there. Essentially what they do is they run a current through this coil and it produces yep. an electric field, which a then magnetic field. it makes electrons inside of your phone move wirelessly. Uh, the drawback to that, which I don't think we will ever be able to get around is when it comes to this, using a coil to transmit energy uh, wirelessly, Number one, the waste is extremely high. It takes a very large amount of electricity to produce a field that large. And then mm. the amount of energy you're actually able to transfer is really small. And it's just because of a, a basic law of physics, the um, uh, uh, square, square root law or something like that. Basically, the, the amount of energy um, as you go away from the energy source out in a sphere degrades yeah. by one over the square root of the distance. So the yeah. further you go away from it, it exponentially gets worse and worse and worse. And that's and, why, and fortunately, EMPs aren't a very effective weapon because the, the range is extremely limited. But uh, laser, laser energy transfer, microwave energy transfer, all of that stuff is, does have some promise. Effectively, but, what you're holding is one coil of a transformer in your hand. It's yes. the same thing. So a transformer has two coils, a primary and a secondary coil. They're, they're in a close proximity of each other. One creates a, a, a magnetic field, the other picks up on that magnetic field. Um, it's basically the same technology, but you look at how big and heavy a transformer is. So that kind of help you, help you visualize the, the limitations that technology has, but what, one day it's gonna happen. Yeah, are you working now? Yeah, we hear you good, Bob. Well, I was saying before is um, one of the cool things that Tesla's working on now with the battery tech is their uh, combining solid state with um, with their current battery tech, which is a supercapacitor combined with the lithium ion or lithium iron that they're looking at now. Yep. So the supercapacitor would take the high burst, high current, and then the batteries would recharge the supercapacitor, which would it's supposed to give an enormous range boost, but that's actually what this is, by the way. Uh, this this is a supercapacitor. Yeah, I don't know if you call it a supercapacitor, but right. it's a really, really large capacity capacitor. Yeah, I was thinking about putting one of those in my car, or actually a bank of six of them.
Can you guys? I, I I actually know what a capacitor is. But can you explain to some of these guys that don't know what a capacitor is what it does? Uh, so it it's another way to store electricity, but it's usually not used for like in the same way a battery is used. What capacitors are used for in electronics is to um, usually to level out voltages to get rid of mm -hmm. noise. Um, it acts like a tank if you think of it like that. So let's say you're trying to fill a, a tank with let's say you're trying to output a bunch of water to a city. You don't want a bunch of like uh, water pressure spiking and going down and up and up and down really, really quickly. You have a water tower that helps absorb that. Um, the, you can put whatever amount of water you want in a water tower at any point, but it'll slowly fill and slowly drain. That's essentially what a capacitor does. A capacitor um, is very good at charging extremely rapidly and discharging extremely yep. rapidly. Yes. High I'm current, high power. Jordan, uh, what you're holding in your hand, you showed us that box that you made. How many of those batteries would equivalent to what was in your box? Uh, how many of uh, yeah. how many of these? No, no, the big one you had in your hand. Yeah. yeah. So, well, what, since, since this is how many of them? How many of them would equivalent to what's in your box? Uh, so if you're, I was using this as a diagram to kind of explain what the new Tesla cell would look like. If you're talking about Tesla's new cell, uh, one of these would probably, you could take probably 24 of these and it would equal the same as what's inside that box right there. Maybe less, maybe 12. Um, we, we don't exactly area. know what their capacity is going to be yet. Still a big area, but is that uh, fairly light compared to a normal battery or is it heavy? Yeah, uh, so they've already released those numbers. They should be 16% lighter with the same amount oh, of energy. And that's okay. that's why I'm saying this is going to be a big oh, right. that I don't think yep. anybody anybody realizes yet. Once we can get our hands on these, um, we're going to be able to build rigs with them and we can actually achieve good flight times without having like a 100-pound rig or something insane. So, right. so that, that size of that battery equivalates to what you have in that box. Is it going to take up more area? Uh, no, it, it's, it'll take up the same amount of area. So uh, that's what you're talking about is the volumetric energy density. How big is it versus how much energy does it have? Yeah, that, is, yeah. that is better as this as well. So even though this is much larger, this, uh, when, you take, when you take it as a function of how much space it takes up, this has more energy per square inch than this does. So yeah. technically speaking, this on a paramotor, not only would it be lighter, but it would take up less space you would have to use less of these. Um, from, from my calculations uh, of what I would, if you wanted to get like an hour and a half flight time out of an electric paramotor, you would essentially need uh, hundreds of these. You'd probably need like 400 or so of them. You'd need quite a bit. And you'd have to create a very large, uh, something like this. I actually, I actually have a video or a, a picture that I can bring up. So, This is, uh, this is the, the Tesla battery packs um, that they use in the Model S and the Model X. You can see they just have a bunch of them all in a pack that's like a giant prism. You'd essentially need one of those on the back of your paramotor around that size in order to get about an hour and a half of flight time. So if you, yeah. instead of using those cells, you're able to use these, you could theoretically make that package a little bit smaller. Yeah. 
As long as I can rub my heated gloves and heated socks off of it, man. Hey, we need some charging ports and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, USB charging ports. Yep. So what I want what I wanted to show you guys is uh, the current state of uh, electric paramotors. So right now, um, here's an older one. Let me pull up my web screen here. So uh, I, re I, I reached out to Blackhawk earlier. They don't make this one anymore. And I'm assuming the reason for that is the price tag. This is this seems pretty expensive to me. Um, it mm. looks like it's pretty good quality. Uh, they have this this weird standoff too, which I'm sure that's there for some reason, probably to make. You it get to clear the prop from the hoop. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Clear prop. Uh, but it's it seems like a good rig. Uh, they claimed about an hour flight time for the for the larger battery. Uh, 50 minutes. I see here. What's uh, the weight on that? Uh, 64 pounds. That's that's heavier than my uh, air jet with a Moster 185 on it. Yep. Yeah, 60. Uh, what? 64 that... pounds is, is definitely up there. The new gravity. The new gravity weighs 65 pounds. So I'm missing the ballpark weight wise, but yeah, yeah. This is now. This is kind of technology. Um, they designed this back in the middle of the 2010s, um, like 2015 or 2014, I think. So this is using like. Battery technology moves fast, man. Uh, we've we've far evolved beyond this. So nowadays, this would be a lot cheaper, and it would have a lot more. But um, uh, a Blackhawk, as far as I know, doesn't really have any plans for another one. Um, but all I know is all I know is they they stopped selling this. this I bet year. the motor that you can get now is lighter as well. Probably, yeah, probably. So uh, here's another good one, a uh, Skyjam. Um, they're pushing some some pretty impressive numbers. So. Uh, let's see what's their thrust in uh, I, I lost their I lost their numbers what's the price on that oh, one? flight time uh, they're they're claiming a 45 minute flight time on this one without thermals I'm assuming they're saying that because if you can find a thermal you can extend it <clears throat> but the problem uh, right now isn't the motors the motors are super easy batteries a couple of ultralight companies that I follow um, one of them is um, Thundergall and they had some custom design, some German company custom designed the motor. They have a 28 horsepower ultralight uh, electric motor that they put together that he can right now run on uh, old school, like two generations back batteries. He can get an hour and a half flight time on an ultralight that weighs like 250 pounds. Um, the batteries are the issue. It's not the motors. The motors you can you can design a motor that would run a paramotor all day long yeah. if they have the battery tech, and that's the sticking point right now. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The the difference with uh, fixed wing, uh, Bob, is as you know, number one, <clears throat> the engines are heavy. So remove that. There's a lot of space for batteries. Let alone a hundred odd liters in each side on the wings. That's a lot of weight. Well, no, but yeah. these are, we're talking ultralights here. So we're still stuck with the same five liter oh, capacity. Oh, so the same yeah. five liter capacity. Uh, oh. What they're doing is they're taking five, what, what five liters of gasoline would cost and they transmit that to what five liters of the weight of five liters of fuel would cost in batteries. And it, it's yeah, working out, yeah. but the battery tech is, is, is the key. So it's not it's not much fuel to uh, in weight. Where I'm, I'm saying with a normal aircraft, as you see a lot of aircrafts now, 
trainers that are coming out electric that uh, are putting in over an hour of flight and then recharge and away they go again. The, the point is that most of those planes would carry one, 200 litres of fuel. Now, when you equivalate that plus the engine, take all that weight out, man, you can chuck in whatever batteries you like. Well, yeah, but a, a, a motor, the actual electric motor that would power a paramotor or an ultralight for that matter, weighs about nothing. 10 pounds. Yeah. Nothing. 10 yeah. pounds at most. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. The batteries are the problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, here's the thing are these, are we talking now? Because, again, coming from the RC world, we've dabbled in those batteries a long time before they started doing what they're doing now with them. And, we used to only use like the lithium ions for like low voltage stuff, like our receivers and different things like that. And then when it came to the high voltage and the power, we went to lithium polymer. So am I seeing a reverse in that now? Am I seeing where they're getting higher voltage out of lithium ion versus the polymer now? So well, no, the lithium polymer, they put out a hell of a lot of power, but they have, they have heat problems. Yes. So uh, lithium ion, uh, lithium polymer is a type of lithium ion battery. So the, the, the actual like nomenclature for these, these are um, cylindrical cells. And I believe they would call uh, lipo batteries, uh, prismatic cells, I believe is what they're called. So they're both lithium. They're a very slightly different chemistry. The advantage that you get with the, uh, the pouch cells, the lipos, is that they have a very high ampacity, meaning they can put out a very large amount of amps. Um, they can dump a bunch of their energy in a very short amount of time. This thing right here can only put out about 15 amps uh, safely. You can continuously draw 15 amps from this um, without it getting so hot that it will explode. But if you go over that, that's, that's no bueno. Uh, the, the lipo attached to my paramotor can do like 200 amps or something insane. So. But when you take and put 400 of those lithium ions together, then now you've got something. Yep. Yeah. Those that amperage adds together. So if you take two of them like this and you put them together, now right. your capacity is 30 amps or you know 45 if you add a third one. So that's that's how my skateboard. That's how I can crank 200 amps out of that thing because I have eight of them in parallel. So with paramotors, you're going to want to have a uh, a more constant power draw. So you're going to have a better battery management system that has cooling incorporated into the software, which isn't all that big a deal, but it adds weight. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I Ideally, what you should do is design your battery in such a way where the amount of load that the electric motor is pulling from the battery isn't high enough to cause it to heat up in the first place. Um, that's kind of the deal with my I don't need any cooling on my skateboard battery because I have so many of these things in parallel that they're discharging right. extremely slowly. Right. Right. Um, so the battery doesn't actually produce any heat just because it's, it's basically trickled. So basically you just built up your milliamps. Yeah. Yep. But with the, with the skateboard, you've got like 15 minute runtime though. Uh, the skateboard, hey, you're, you're still sharing your screen, Jordan. If, uh, yes. Hey Jordan, Jordan, what's your runtime on that skateboard you built? Uh, the run, I don't actually know what the run time is. It's uh, and skateboard is more measured in range. And uh, from what I calculated, it should be about 60 miles, give or take. And what's the, how, what's the uh, time frame on that? Uh, considering I probably won't go above like 25 miles an hour. Uh, so uh, 60 miles, 25, like a couple hours, I would say. Now, keep in mind, if you're on a trail, 
if you're riding this thing on trail, which is kind of what it's designed for, and you're just going like five miles an hour over like sticks and rocks and stuff, it's going to last like with this battery, it'll last all day. You know, give it all day, maybe well, two days. That would be, that's the same in the air. If you could collect thermals, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're all day. Yeah, uh, that would that would be nice. I don't know if that's feasible right now for paramotors, though. Uh, what I was going to show you, though, uh, this is currently what I would consider kind of like um, uh, cutting edge electric paramotor technology. So this is from the Open PVG community. Um, I believe there is a, a guy named PD White that's that's kind of leading the whole thing. Uh, he's done a lot of the, the design and like manufacturing and everything and stuff. But the only thing that we can see right now is uh, the a sky and a wing. Are you trying to show something different? Sky and a. Uh, oh yeah, it's still sharing the screen. Sharing the screen. Oh, I'm sharing the I'm sharing the wrong screen. I'm sorry. Give me a second. Hey, Sean. I was going to tell you a joke about procrastinating, but I'll just tell you later. The nice thing about the new the new the new batteries, unless I'm a little behind, is Tess is looking at the lithium ion phosphates. The battery chemistry reduces the amount of lithium, but increases the the total uh, efficiency of the battery, which is kind of cool too. Uh, I heard they're doing that in China. I don't I don't really know that for sure though. I, I, heard, they were, I, I read that they were kind of kind of poaching those those companies and trying to buy out a couple of those companies. I know that Tesla's bought out so many battery companies and trying to find the the cream of the crop. So who knows. Yep. Uh, well, uh, hopefully you guys can see my screen here. Uh, this, yep. this paramotor. Yes, sir. So, this is, uh, as I was saying before, it's from the Open PPG community. Um, uh, they've they've designed a lot of really interesting stuff. So their first motor was uh, that you've you've probably seen it. They have like this quad setup right here. Uh, it has four small blades on it. Yes. Yeah, same that's ideal because you you eliminate torque with that. You have two counter rotating sets. You do. Right. That's right. That's so right. that's that's one of the good pluses, but there's a huge downside. Um, the smaller the prop is, the more inefficient it is. Yeah. Do, do you Very have to have four ESCs on that one, or are they still running that with one? Uh, I think you need four. That's what I, I, would I don't believe that you can drive four motors with one ESC no. because they, they do make they do make. That actually, they do make ESCs because they I've seen them uh, in the hobby world that will run multiple motors on one ESC. But it's somehow oh, yeah. they, but it's built four ESCs onto one board is basically exactly, what yeah. done. So this is it right here. Um, this was like their their first version. It it was basically like a quadcopter essentially, but um, at ninety degrees. I've seen one of these fly in person. Uh, it's a really cool design. It produces a lot of thrust, uh, but. Uh, it's really, really loud because those props are like the prop tips are yeah. breaking the speed of sound there. In order to get those props to produce enough thrust to propel yeah. a human being into the air, they need to spin really fast. Sounds like a giant quad, I bet. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, yeah. the best configuration would be to have two normal paramotor motor, uh, props. Two props. With yep. two counter rotating electric motors. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Yeah. If you can figure Did out. Did y'all know that the most efficient prop is a single bladed prop? Yes, I've heard that as well. If you could somehow design one giant blade that was balanced some way, you would get the most thrust with the least amount of input power. That that is that is true. 
I'm a fan of the three blade because you get the less, the least vibration with the most efficiency, but the less. It, it, you have a nice compromise between that whine and power and response. Yeah, that's that's what I fly. I fly three blade, and I I really like it. I, like I don't see why counter rotation with two props would be a hard thing to figure out. Oh, it isn't. Uh, GA aircraft do it all the time. So it's not a hard thing to do. It's a weight thing to do. It's weight. Yeah, it, it you could do it. In fact, we could do it with technology. Um, you just have to synchronize them in such a way where the blades overlap and don't bump into each other. But the problem is that the two blade uh, design has the same problem that this four blade design has. Is it's that it's it's not as efficient. So the smaller you make a, 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 a prop, the more wasted energy you have trying to produce thrust with it. Um, so the bigger the bigger prop you have, theoretically, you could produce more thrust with less input power, which is why- Jordan, Jordan what, it, what it really needs is uh, one motor, uh, sorry, one motor to, uh, would probably be two motors, but one shaft going through the other, spinning the other way. Oh, counter-rotating. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Yeah. One, one uh, two props, but counter-rotating. Would that work? Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah, that, that yeah. would. That's what we were talking about, uh, Jordan. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? All, all in one, all in one uh, sphere. Uh, it goes back to uh, it goes back to just like the that pitch prop that they make with the hollow shaft on the motor, so you have a control rod that goes through that can control mm -hmm. the, the pitch of the, the uh, motor or the uh, prop. So uh, they even make ultralight engines that, that will do a counter rotating prop. That's not a big deal. It's a matter of the gearing that that. Yeah. It's, it's you, a weight problem. You could do it. Absolutely. You, uh, in fact, two motors, two motors with, with a hollow shaft in one and a solid one going through the middle, but counter rotating. Right. Well, that's the advantage of electric. You can do that very easily without yeah. adding a heck of a lot of weight. Right. But you're yeah. still adding I'd, another prop, which is costing efficiency and drag. And then plus the two gear. motors. Yeah. So what, what these guys have done, open PVG, I think is the most cutting edge stuff. And it, it like, it's genius in its simplicity. So the, the quad prop design is kind of neat. It has an advantage of like no torque, um, a lot of thrust and stuff like that, but the flight time is really bad. Uh, this yeah. one though, uh, so I, I've seen uh, their like kind of debut video of this, the SP140. Uh, I think, let me, I don't want to screw this up. Let me get exact numbers here. Their flight time they were, uh, they were claiming is really good. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 30 to 60 minutes. I'm assuming you can get 60 with a four kilowatt hour battery. Um, to put that into perspective, that skateboard battery I showed you is about two kilowatts. So you take two of those and put them together and you get, you get four. Uh, so that's yeah. about what the size of the battery would be. Although you could make it like longer and thinner. So it wouldn't be so big and bulky like that. Um, there's also a lot of wasted space inside of that case for like the, the, um, the battery protection, like foam and stuff. So you would need any of that. I, I still think that uh, if, um, if, uh, what's his name for aviator, what's his name? Um, the guy that, that, that joined Eric, um, anyway, the one that, no, the one that knows Elon, the one that worked with him. If, if he can get Elon into paramoting, we'll have a 50-kilowatt yeah. paramotor, electric paramotor, that will recharge in 15 minutes and have an hour-and-a-half flight time, or maybe three-hour flight time. Yeah, you're talking about Chris. Yeah, Chris. 
Yeah, Jordan, see how they've used the battery in between the, the frame and then the motor to space it out. That, that's perfect. Keep that way. That looks like the ESC. Uh, the, I think the ESC is inside of that box. Yeah. But this, is, this is what I'm saying. You see how simple and elegant that is? Like these guys have a really good design. Uh, it looks like all of the battery cells and all of the electronic circuitry that you need is inside of there. And like, let's yep. say you want to take it off and swap it for another one. It looks like you can basically just unbolt it and put, slap another one on there. Do you land? S slip you it in and out. Real quick and slip it in and out. Yeah. Well, the other nice thing about electric is you see the hub on the, on the, on the prop and you see the larger ring. That larger ring is the motor. That is the whole thing. That's right. The whole thing. motor big. is maybe three inches wide, period. And you have your, your center of thrust is much closer to you. Your batteries can be placed down where your fuel tank usually goes. So that doesn't mess up anything. But your your, your thrust line is going to be so much closer to your back. Yeah, these um, guys are definitely on something, for sure. In Australia, in Australia here, we race electric bikes. Uh, they're just like a normal motorbike, but electric. Now, uh, people in... Uh, in the city of Melbourne, they, what they did is they've actually, uh, through the computer system, it's the way that the motorbike, like say the rider needs to give it all the power and the battery <coughs> says no, right? Uh, it monitors what it gives you because it says, I can't give you the full power you want. And it, it's like the brain, and the brain makes it last a, long, a lot longer. Even though the races may be, uh, let's say, an hour, and they only last half an hour, they come in, and they virtually just pull a battery pack out, like lift the seat, pull a battery pack out, and put another one in. But it's the management where they've been winning, the teams have been winning with the management of that power and how it's used. Well, Walter, the funny thing is a lot of the experimental electrics, not so much in paramotor, but more in ultralights are using things like the zero motorcycle, paramo uh, zero motorcycle engines, motors rather. And they've actually gone beyond those because they were too heavy and too inefficient. So they've been going into custom, some of them actually hand wind their, their motors. And, um, but yeah, a lot of them are using electric motorcycle tech hey i'm on their web page right now looking at their stuff and i noticed when you go to pre-order one of the uh, units the only option for the prop is a 140 centimeter prop wow good now 147 with an electric motor is going to ramp up like like uh, absolutely nothing it's going to almost instantaneous torque response mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I would love to fly one of these. I'd definitely love to, to get one. The only thing with that is, again, with a, with an instantaneous torque response, you're going to get an instantaneous torque response in your cage. So you're gonna, it, it's going to be a little bit different, I would imagine, to to fly one of these. But it, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's a, 10, 10, 15 years from now, nobody's going to be flying gas paramotors. I could be wrong. It, 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 the battery tech could lag. But 
But within 20 years, I, I would say that most people are going to be flying electric. Well, they, <clears throat> again, I'm on their uh, site looking at this, and they actually have a comparison chart uh, against the uh, Vitarazzi. <coughs> oh, no. Sean in the chat was saying earlier that, uh, you know, I, I just think chicks like the smell of gas and exhaust. So electric or uh, gas paramotors. Are my wife's not too fond of getting uh, getting it out of my clothes. <laughs> I like gas. I used to get behind my granddaddy's uh, muffler when he started the truck and sit there and smell it when I was little and get in trouble. You guys ever seen the Australian movie, The Castle? Mm -hmm. uh, He's he's on the he's on the lake and he he's he's in a two-stroke boat and he's like, ah, oh, there's nothing like the smell of two-stroke first thing in the morning. <laughs> I I do love that smell. I'm gonna miss it when we all go. To yeah, work. yeah, yeah. Way, man. Uh, I'll yeah. never miss the smell, but I, I'll, I'll probably miss greatly, or I'll never miss greatly is the cost. Yeah. Yeah, I got an old truck that doesn't have a catalytic converter on it. Whenever I stop for gas and people walk around and smell it, they're like, oh, yeah, love that smell. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> I have one of those, and I, I love I, – one thing I don't love is driving down the, the freeway and watching my gas gauge go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I love motor racing, the amount of fuels and smells there, nitro, methanol. The racing fuels, the petrols, they're dangerous. They got – they got chemicals in them. You don't want to breathe or touch that stuff. Well, back on my RC days, um, tell me I'm wrong, but any of you guys who've done RC back in the day, there's nothing like nitromethane, the smell of oh, yeah. tiny nitromethane yeah. motors. I know what you're talking about, yeah. That's all and castor oil. And castor oil. Wait, hold on. Are we all are we sitting here talking about huffing different fuels? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we know what's wrong like. with all of us. Yeah, as long as there's no kids in the chat, uh, kids don't do this. Don't do this at home. Don't have. Yeah, don't, do, have. don't do this at home. Uh, yeah, all, these, <laughs> all these boomers in here spent their whole lives huffing lead paint and stuff. So, like, you know, that's why they're all so crazy. Yeah, but offset while we're flying, if you're an RC guy, if you're an RC guy, what offsets the smell is when you're winding your prop. And it springs back on you, waxing the finger. It's like, oh pfft. yeah, yeah. I've got I got stitches from from one that started backwards. Hey, I, Bob, I, it was actually a fifty cc gas engine. Oh, yeah. Ouch. Hey, we're we're. Hey, would you bring up the topic hey, of you know, you know what we say here with kids and stuff like that? Uh, for some reason, that reminded me, uh, Jordan, when you self train, did you? ever ground start <laughs> yes that, there was nobody there to teach me to not do that i never hurt myself and i never like messed up any props but i definitely did it a bit quite a bit and uh they you don't you want to avoid doing that whenever possible that's where most paramotor injuries happen so next question jordan do you ground start your paramotor now every once in a while for very specific reasons I also am experienced and confident enough now that I know I'm not going to accidentally stick my hand in there. So mm. it's what not. What you do is you, you bolt it to your your uh, your hitch in the back of your vehicle. Yeah. Bolt it on there, ground set it there. Then you have to worry about it moving. And then you can yep. ground start it to your heart's content. 
I got a, I got a, a rig in my garage that I use to do, uh, you know, I'll tweak my, my fuel mixture and stuff at full throttle. I hook it up to the rig in my garage and I just blow it all out of my street and piss my neighbors off while I calibrate my fuel. <laughs> I use mine for a leaf blower. I've seen people do that. It looks yeah. effective. Yeah. It takes about two minutes that normally would take me an hour. Uh, I thought about doing that, but I got a big Southern Oak in my front tree. And I, the second I started to do that, I saw sticks falling out of the tree and one almost went in my front. So I was like, no, I'm done. Yeah. We, 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 we had a kind of worse, You can use it as loof, uh, clean up your yard with it. Yeah. So on the open PPG site that I'm looking at here, uh, they do a comparison against gas motors and, and the electric motor. And it talks about cost. It talks about thrust. You're getting 175 pounds of thrust out of this SP140 electric motor. I have a I'm uh, 250 cc over here. I get barely 175 pounds of thrust out of this thing. So that's really impressive. Yeah. So 175 pounds thrust versus uh, the top five PPGs at 149.88. Um, cost per 100 hour maintenance $54 versus $1169. You got to remember uh, electric motors at this point are nearly 100% efficient. So every erg of energy that goes into an electric motor is coming out as rotational energy. It's the weight of the batteries that again that's 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 the only holdup we have right now. The only holdup yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, it's the the cost that Open PPG is claiming, starting at like seven grand. That's comparable to a new paramotor that you know you buy a two stroke. It's yeah, well, that's price. what they say: sixty nine ninety nine versus seventy four twenty nine. Yeah, you. There's definitely yeah. going to be some cost savings there. Like I said, as far there's no reason why a newcomer shouldn't buy that, with the exception of the range. I think the only thing holding something like that back is the range once they well, i mean i don't even think that jordan because if you think about it and, and i wish kevin was still here and he would admit to this when you get new guys into the sport they're not flying an hour they're not flying for two hours they're flying 20 30 minutes and they're coming down yeah and those. Minutes, just get the hang of it and come down. that's what i did for the first probably three four months i just fly for 15 20 minutes come back and land well, that, hey, then we again, there is that one thing I was talking about new newcomers to the sport is whatever you start with, in the back of your mind, that's always your preference. If 10 years from now, some is starting out on an electric paramotor that only has maybe a 45-minute range, they can go back to a gas engine and get a three-hour range. They're always going to prefer that electric in their mind. So, yeah. Yeah, you're so I have a question. Um, I guess it was answered earlier. I don't know when I was baking, but are these going to be like electric cars? How are you going to keep it? It charges up the same way or? Uh, yeah, essentially. Uh, most of these come with like a charging cord, almost like a laptop, uh, but it's, it's much bigger because, you know, there's a lot more electricity going through it. Electric cars, they're kind of different. They have like a plug that like plugs into the, in the car, you know, like it's like a big thing. That's usually either hardwired to your house or you plug it into a 115 volt outlet. Um, so it's a little bit different, uh, but it's the same basic concept. It charges the basically the same way. The big breakthrough is going to be when we have GA electric aircraft. You can kind of land at a, at a municipal airport, hook up to a you know a 50 kilowatt 
DC charger to power up your electric car motor and recharge in five minutes yep. and go off you go. The, well, that's that's the thing. Those The battery technology that I was showing you guys in that last slide, one, uh, I didn't even mention its, its uh, fast charging capabilities. Honestly, its, it's capacity is so impressive that I forgot to even mention that. Yeah. So yeah. all those tabs, uh, they allow you to very, very, very rapidly charge and discharge those batteries. Um, so uh, a Tesla nowadays, if you're on DC fast charging, you can do 80% in like 30 minutes. They're trying to do 80% in like 10 minutes. That's or less. awesome. Well, that's the yeah. thing, though. With a Tesla, you're talking about charging up a, what, a three, uh, three to 400 kilowatt battery in 30 minutes. We're talking about charging up a 10 kilowatt battery that will last you three to four hours in a paramotor. You can recharge that theoretically at that same rate in, what, 10 minutes? Uh, yeah, well, when we get, your, we get hey, hey, Bob, was you in here when he showed the picture of the new Tesla battery, what it looks like inside? Oh yeah, I've, I've I've been following that kind of closely. Yeah, he's okay. he's probably you probably watch Battery Day, Bob. From, from sounds of it, you you sound like you know a lot about Tesla. Oh yeah, I watch that religiously. Nice, nice. It sounds like okay. we'll be able to do cross countries with electric paramotors for a long. We'll just fly from one Tesla's charging station to the next. There you go. And uh, recharge yeah. their pre-existing stations they've got for us. So. The, uh, well, in 10 years, when GA goes electric, you're going to be able to do that. Just fly to a local municipal airport, sit down, charge up, 10 minutes, go fly for another three hours. And, uh, I mean, it seemed, like, the, it seemed like a battery swap would be even better. You know, you wouldn't even have yeah. to charge, just do a battery swap. Yep. I love yep. that idea. Tesla thought about that in the beginning and they abandoned it because I, I'm not actually sure why they abandoned it, but they did. Cost. It was probably cost, cost yeah. Cost, you gotta have a lot of overhead. You gotta store different batteries, right? Well, it's more. It wasn't so much cost as how much they get back. It's yeah, um, Jordan. I think the other advantage with the electric motor, and all of you guys would know because you've got a two-stroke. The simple noise, the harmonics, the vibration. All of that would be gone with electric. You still get a lot of prop noise, though. No. Yeah, that's 99% of the noise is coming from prop. Yeah. You get that yeah. super, when the tip, all of your noise is coming from your tip. Your tip is going yeah, really I'm, supersonic. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the motor vibration. We're talking about that mass weight rotary. We're talking about the fins that create that zing 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 noise okay when you got a water-cooled motor you don't get that ringing ying, 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 that oh, no, the, the sound will be different oh i know you, definitely, I know what you're you won't about. get any of that no, you won't get any about. of that you will have zero vibration from from the motor itself it's perfectly exactly. linear smooth you'll get tip yeah. noise you'll get wind noise from the prop but you won't get that two-stroke well, that's like there anyway yeah, that harmonic. I hate that harmonic sound you're talking about, Walter. From, from, the ground, exactly. from the ground, it's not going to be any quieter. But for, for the pilot, it will make a difference because you won't get any – you're right. That the harmonics is a good way to put it. You I've got a – I've got – I run a Rotax, which is 500cc, twin-cylinder, air-cooled. And I'm telling you, I could be up there all day, but that ringing of those things – pisses me off and I made a mistake I made a mistake going air cooled not the water cooled engine which would have given me 30% more power 
Even if, even if I hey, are we uh, are we in the guys. after show because it's now eleven? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's late. Are you wanting to get started, Sean? Is that what, Shane? Is that what's up? Well, I had I I wanted to mention something to Amy. I, I didn't know if she'd understand this or not. But uh, what's what's the similarities between a cactus and a school bus? Oh, uh, and you have to do that. You have to do that without a hip jar. Is that what you're saying? Oh my gosh, cactus and a school bus. What's the similarities between a cactus and a school bus? Let's go home. They're both twigs. The cactus has the pricks on the outside. Do you hear what she said? Am I grace? You just said Uh -uh. the pricks. Well, that's close. The cactus has the pricks on the outside. There you go. The bus has them on the inside. You're close. Put your head back. Y'all, do you like her new hair color? I'm a fan. Who's Shane? This is the I just told that joke to my wife. I'm not sure she got it. She's the troublemaker of the house. Uh oh. What'd you call? What'd she say? I said she's the troublemaker of the house. Uh, y'all are both Gemini's. I don't want to hear. He's the troublemaker. I just follow suit. Mm. Oh, nailed it. Apple fell far Jordan. You see what you're getting into, right, Jordan? Mark, you're bringing a you know, I know. Yeah. Mark, you're Gemini. What, when were you born? Eighteenth. Uh, and Second. Grace must be born the eighteenth, but um, she's born the thirteenth because I'm with my doctor. I was born the tenth. Really, you're all Gemini's. That's what's wrong. That's what's wrong with Second. her. No, that's what's right with us. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, we have two. Hey, we have a diplomatic inside of us you know what i mean we have diplomacy inside of us we have both sides we have the evil and the good right yeah but i haven't seen sean's evil side i don't think he's too two-sided like you and emma grace are oh i seen it when he was getting aggressive on me in the air like john ripper oh, oh my <laughs> you were the aggressive one dude that's uh bull crap <laughs> Brian, i wish you could have seen it i was trying to run no you weren't it was yeah. either it was either let him come into me or me go into the thermals and i took the thermals i hated it hey you flew higher than he did. I don't know how he's going Yeah, to that's why I was up there. I got away from him. <laughs> he was trying to attack me and try to tip my tip. My tip. Yeah, he's trying to tip. touch my tip. He was like a vulture. No, you're the vulture flying up higher. I can see you up there watching him then have to come down on him. I can see it. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, guys. I just want to say, Jordan, um, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. It was really, really nice to meet you yeah. at Swanee Parafest. Uh, I've really enjoyed listening to your story, and I, I look, look forward to, to hearing your future, man, um, and flying with you. I'll be back down at Lake Wells in February. Hopefully, we can hook up, maybe do some more flying. Yeah, awesome. This yeah. is a great show. Oh, yeah, this show's been a blast. Great show. Learned a lot. That's what I told uh, Amy a while ago. I said, I've learned more from this podcast than I have any of the others, Sean. I'm sorry. <laughs> we spent a uh, we spent a long time talking about electric air motors, and, and that was very interesting. Yeah, uh, I yeah. wish we had more time to spend on you know his designs that he put into his uh, gas powered air motors, and you know a lot of different things. But we got a lot of really good information out of them. Uh, another episode. Up. Catch me on another episode. I'll talk all. Yeah, about yeah. It. We just do it again. Yeah, yeah we do it every week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, we can always do a bonus podcast. Yes, you I'll fix this. Say. There's so many Jordan. shows on nowadays, and I, I I try to catch every single one of them, but I was only catching you guys on replays. It's like, damn it, who's who's actually hosting these? I have to get on the on the on the page, and now I finally find you guys because Linda. 
Oh, hey, Linda. Very good. Good job, Linda. Hey, 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 real quick, Bob, what is for, for a free t shirt, Bob, what is Linda's uh, new dot uh, com? Oh, please remind me. Oh, I know. Bob, I know. Don't, don't say, don't say, I Bob. Don't Bob. make it Linda, Linda.com. <laughs> Linda, Linda.com. <laughs> oh, OnlyFans, is it? OnlyFans. What is hey, it? Jor hey, Jordan. I'm I'm just on the east coast from you, by the way, over in Melbourne. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, you know, I I have yet to fly over there. It, it at, at Palm Bay, the compound. I oh wanted God, to. The compound. I want to. <laughs> so well, Bob is trying to go. The the flying the flying the there's a flying in March. Um, at the compound. 15. What is it? Uh, the 11th through the 15th. Yeah, so um, Jordan, Jordan, and uh, Shane. Uh, yeah. I'm down at Aviator in Florida at the beginning of February, basically the first two weeks of February. Um, we're going to be jumping out of a plane Ooh. for the first time ever. Wow! So if any, if any of you want to come join me, uh, nope, uh, nope, we're going to be skydiving. Nope, nope. I did I'll come that. fly around. I did that no, with no, 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 Hail <laughs> to the no. Chicken, chicken fry. My my son did it, and I'm telling you right now, dude. There's no way. I would, <laughs> I would rather go up to 4,800 feet and and have a full frontal collapse and, and any day of the week than jump out. Well, we're plane. we're gonna do that too in the SIV class. Yeah, I know, and that's nothing. I like my thrills to last a little bit longer. Ooh, and just so you know. Uh, Brian Haybill is booked for what is it the um, the eighth of February? Uh, that sounds about right. To discuss some uh, SIV on here, so that's going to be really yeah. fun. So if you haven't subscribed, definitely subscribe and hit that little bell notification. Uh, have you, has Jordan has Jordan had any SIV? I have not. Uh, I've I have people around me that can certify me, but I just never got around to doing it. Uh, so have you thought about doing it? I have no reason not to. Um, I should because I'll be able to fly at like a couple gatherings uh, coming up here soon. But no, I don't. I don't have any certification or anything like that. No, SSIV doesn't give you an instructor rating. It's it's basically. No. Uh, go ahead, Shane. So SIV course, it it they they tow you up by boat with no motor on your back. You're free flying. They tow you up. You you pin off. So you disconnect from the boat, and then he has you start collapsing your wing, and then as you're going through the collapse he talks you in out of the collapse and how to fix it and it makes you a better pilot oh, yeah. um yeah I've, I've heard of i've heard of these uh yeah. you get to toss the laundry too yeah I which would, is your reserve really interested in it. <laughs> it, uh, it, you, dude you're close to one of the best schools in the country skylab yep. skylabs yep yep everybody in the united everybody all over the united states go to skylabs this Absolutely. brings me to a fun story. Ready? I keep wanting to go parasailing, and I keep telling Mark, "You need to go. Let's go parasailing. Let's go parasailing." And the Turks and Caicos. I said, "Let's go parasailing there. It's beautiful." He goes, "I'm not going to parasail over that water. There's too many sharks and all that stuff." I said, "What do you think of <laughs> SIV?" He goes, "Well, I said it's over water. <laughs> fresh water. No, no fresh sharks, water. Thank you. Thank you. Just alligators." <laughs> Yeah, it's not the same. Hey, so the up in the air with the wing over water. But Brian, he was, at least you got, 
Probably that water's going to be cold. It's going to be in February. February. Yes, it's going to be in the low. It's going to be in the low 50s, that water temperature, guaranteed. Oh, dude, I know how cold that is, too. Oh, yeah, that's bad. That's August around here. Hey, if you don't throw your laundry, Brian, and you land back on the land, you don't have to worry about it. Unless you're Shane. Yeah, I didn't even get to throw my laundry, and I ended up in the water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, a real quick segue here, uh, actually, literally. Um, I was talking earlier about Scott Carboni and his work uh, that he does with one wheels and stuff. So you guys, it should be up on the screen now. Can you guys see that? Yep. Yep. So uh, I, I posted the link in the chat as well. Uh, he he operates out of Newport Ritchie here in the, the Tampa metro area. I'm sure he can ship stuff to you. So uh, take a look at the link in the chat uh, if you want it. Or uh, right here, it's uh, eCarve. Uh, just Google eCarve uh, Tampa or eCarve Newport Ritchie, and you should be able to come across the website. He sells a wide range of uh, electric scooters, um, one wheels, you know that type of thing. So he can he, he can hook you up. He can answer any questions you might have, and uh, you know, yeah, there you go. I'll trade him a paramotor frame for a one wheel. No, you don't you, need. He a flies wheel. paramotors too, so you uh -oh. might. I have a question. Uh -oh. There you go, Jordan. You said you were eyeing one wheels, man. It sounds like you got the hookup already. I do, I do. I just don't have the disposable cash at the moment. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, I have a question. Nineteen hundred for that XR, isn't it? I can't convince my wife to let me buy one right now, but give me, give me a minute. I have a I'll question for who rides one. Hey, hush, one. mine's on here. She might hear something she's not supposed uh -oh. to. Nobody oh. has, nobody has disposable cash. No, no. Oh, I'd love to have that. So. What uh, Brian mentioned, he saw me flying in like really bad conditions. What I was doing at. Uh, at the flying is I was trying to kind of push my limits a little bit that weather I wasn't hundred percent comfortable with, but I wanted to get comfortable with it. So I kind of like went out of my comfort zone just a tiny bit. This uh, is something I would like to do for that same reason. I would definitely like to push my comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I would say maybe I'm ready for this, but this looks pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I tell you what you, you, it's more in your head than it is actual danger. Okay. You, you, you put in your head that that the world's going to come to an end, and it's really not that bad. How high are they pulling you guys up there, Shane? By a boat. You uh, start. How high? Up. How high? What's the altitude? Uh, I you can go up to fifty five hundred feet. Wow, nice. I got pulled up. I think the highest I've been is forty eight hundred feet, and uh, it was cold up there, and I was wet from falling in the water earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they couldn't get you to 5,500, Shane. Uh, so I, I, dude, I was good at 4,800, to be honest with you. Like this, the, uh, your wing is called a stall ball when you start pulling it in like that. So that's a, a stall ball. ball? Yep. It's so really your reserve not... is out. You're trying to pull Are you your pulling wing. your wing all the way in? Yes. Yes. What if, you can't, what if you can't pull your wing all the way in? Well, it just keeps the lines from coming around you. Yeah. So you land in the water. Yes. yes. You don't, yeah, you got to. No, you don't have to. Um, but you come down pretty quick. On Ninety-five percent of the time, you do. Like, like, you like, like if this was actual land that I landed on, it would hurt. Yeah, I would imagine. Your reserve will save your life. It'll break your back. It'll save yeah. your life. Right. 
It'll, your reserve will make you want to die. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you died. One of the things I like to see. So, so I just want to show you this too, because it only took like a hundred seconds from when he said pull reserve, uh, floating down and then being picked up by the boat. Dude, that'd be the longest hundred seconds ever. I, I will tell you though, honestly, your brain is is playing tricks on you. you go up there and you're just like oh my god oh my god oh my god but after you land after you do what you got to do and you're like oh that wasn't that bad but you worked <laughs> you worked yourself Isn't up that like all that shit it's like adrenaline rush it's like oh shit and then when you go on the ground hell that was fun let's do it again <laughs> and guess what was that your wing no that that was that was a um a 22 or 23 meter wing a rental um that andrew had and it was an a wing but it really carved up more than my b wing does and our square jar is still on the table by the way so oh yeah. sorry well golly yeah, I, I, uh, there's still a super chat <laughs> I, i'm pretty hesitant i get my brand new wing in like uh two weeks oh no, don't don't use your wing to go into the water you don't want to do that no, no yeah you can, you can use it before that when you yeah, start yeah. going into full stalls and stuff, he'll have you on his wing. Um, the things that you'll do with your wing are major, but they're not catastrophic, if you will. Um, you'll okay. do learn 50, like big ears and stuff like that. Yeah, you'll do fifty percent deflations. You'll yeah. do fifty percent deflations, leaning into the deflation and away from the deflation. You'll do full frontals. Um, you'll do big ears. You'll do. Did, uh, Sean, did he have you do the uh, descent technique where you just pull your brakes all the way down to your butt and then let it back up and then pull it back down? And oh, the flap, bird flapping. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, yeah. He had me do, um, I went to three different SIVs with him. And over those different SIV courses, we went and did many different things. Um, the, uh, the second time that I did it, I did the, uh, the uh, reserve toss, which was really good. Um, it's one of those, the first two that I did, I had my uh, uh, Roadster 3. And over the course of one year with two SIV courses <coughs> and doing, you know, the things that I did, my lines were stretched so much that when I sent it into Cloud9, um, it was it was deemed not flyable. Uh, got to put on, you know, $700 worth of lines and get them fixed. If you do a lot of acro on your wing, even though it's brand new within a year, it will be not, it will be deemed not flyable unless you get the lines repaired and a lot of stuff done. So hmm. acro is good to learn on something, but once you learn it, not necessary anymore, unless you got a lot of money to to just get out there and buy some wings and, you know, repair your lines. I got one more question about the Skylab uh, SIV, and this is an important one, and uh, I'm sure Shane can answer it. Will it be a big deal for me to take major? <laughs> yes. Because if you're on the, if you're on the um, peninsula thing, the, the, what are they, where were you, where were you and I at, Sean? Yeah, it was on like a, kind of like a, island dike. type of thing like dike. yeah you had to get there by boat or by so, so you're talking a dog around water that's infested with alligators yeah mm. well you know major man i can uh 
put his chair going, out. He'll, he'll sit in it and be good. Well, well yeah, no, but there's no boat room for dogs, unfortunately. Okay. Well, I was going to run it by Andrew. Yeah. His major's going to be with me for two weeks, and I'm doing that in the middle of that two-week period. So, I I would I would find a way. You'll find a way. As as a born Floridian, I'm telling you right now, on the news, there are dogs getting eaten by gators daily. I've actually seen dogs surf. So teach a dog to paraglide. There you go. I'm not. He's, I'm not. He's, he's not announced. Make, I I would not. I would not have that dog out there. That is that is wilderness when you're out there. Just so you know. Yeah, just be careful. Think think yeah. about. And I do know Major, and I'm, I'm I know he will stay in the chair. But if he decides to go get a drink of water, I don't, because I don't know. Bait. Yeah, it's just it's just I don't know if I'd I don't know if I'd be willing to risk it. I wouldn't do it with my dog. I know for a fact. Hell no. I wouldn't bring my dog either, and I love my dog. Mm. If this is the same water that we're going to be landing in that you wouldn't bring your dog to. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. A dog that's size of major is what they're used to eating. Humans are a lot larger and they don't really want to have to fight for to kill something. They, they want something that they can grab and just take in the water and be done with it. Yeah. Um, if you fight your larger animal, they don't. They don't really want anything to do with you because they're kind of lazy. Yeah, but they, they do take yeah. down gazelle and deer, so you know. I don't know. So be careful. No, that's. Uh, well, what they don't want is this fat, fast food <laughs> paraglider pilot. Yeah. I never thought uh, anything about it when I landed in the water. Um, you know, nothing but a couple of bites on my on my feet, but no big deal. You know, it's all right. Shut yeah. up, Sean, or I'll I'm never go. Shut up. I'll never go. I will never go if you keep talking. Keep talking. I'll never go. Hey, I used to swim in the ocean. Just kidding. Until, until I started fishing off the beach. When you can cast out off the beach and wind in a six-foot bull shark yeah. from yeah. three-foot water, you're like, yeah, yeah maybe I won't oh, swim out there too much anymore. No, I got hell, a video no. for you. You most you're not helping Brian for him to go parasailing with me. Quit. Brian, That's never happening. Brian, if you most, ever fly over the ocean, you will never swim in it. I trust me, I'm never gonna swim in it. Hey, I will never swim anywhere where I'm become food. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Brian. What amuses yeah. me most about these things is you got a lot of you guys from down south are talking. It's like you're, you're talking like summer weather and you're talking, oh, it's too cold because the water's gonna be now 55 degrees. In August, that's the warm temperature around here. Well, that's why you're in outer space. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Oh, there you, you, go. you guys are lucky. When when you splash in the water, I hear the the, the um, gators piss off, but the uh, yeah. crocs here, if they hear water splash, they go straight it. there. Yeah. You're, yep, you're in Australia, dude. Everything wants to eat you. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. The spiders want to eat you in Australia. <laughs> in Australia, you get those like thimble-sized jellyfish that will kill you. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Are those the the man of war you're talking about? No, those are huge. Oh no, I think, I think oh, Australia still has stuff that hadn't even been jellyfish or something that will kill you. 
I have a question about the SIV. Um, Shane was talking about how when you're up there and everything, you just focus and do it. I, I look at the video of Sean. I just don't see how I'm going to be able to focus ever and just do what they tell me to do. I just see myself freaking out my because, because you have a guy that's in your ear. Yeah. Everything's going in chaotic. And this guy is literally talking to you as you're doing whatever. And I'm not, I'm not saying free falling like you're literally free falling. But you are losing altitude, and he's talking to you. Okay, Amy, what I want you to do is do a little right break, a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. And it he's so calming. I'm telling you, if you just listen to the instructor, it he's not going. Oh my God, Amy, pull right break, hurry up. Pull well, right. You know that, but it's like it's all You're going down. You're going to die. Oh my God, Amy, no, not the left one, the right. I mean the right, not the left one, the right one. <laughs> It is Dude, so look at all these sharks. Mark, that's what I live with on a regular basis. But you won't hear that. <laughs> Amy, you'll literally hear, you'll just hear him just tell you what to do in a very calm and collective manner. It, it is, I was in the, I was in a worse, my, the first time I went with Sean, I got into a, a downward spiral because my wing folded under. And I mean, I, I was, one one second from from being just overwhelmed and uh i mean i mean what it is is one at one time you got to listen to the man that's right when i when matt would show me how to do the throttle i was listening to him (laughs) different than just like oh my gosh let's collapse our wing and all that because the barefoot over shark Correct me if I'm wrong, because I have not taken one of these classes, but by the time you take an SFA course, you've had enough hours to confident your basic flying skills. Yeah. When you take an SIV, it's going to be no different than listen to your instructor on that first time when he says, okay, pull the brake, pull the brake, don't sit, right. don't sit. Yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah, it just seems a lot more intense. It's it's not, but he, he's not going to have you go up there and go. Okay, you're going to do a set right now. You're going to do a couple of small <laughs> things. No, you're gonna you're gonna ease into to different things. And if you're not comfortable with it, you literally just sit there, and he'll go. Okay, if you're not if you're not uh, wanting to do this, kick your feet or whatever. He's not going to tell oh, you. Here's right. Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to talk you into anything that you don't want to. If you don't want to do it, guess what? You don't have to do it. And you are the power maker. First, you say talk with him first and say, "Hey, wow. this is something that I'd like to learn." Um, well, first class that I went to, the, uh, when the guys only wanted to learn big ears, and that was it. So, do they price you based upon how much you want to do, or no, is it just no, hundred dollars a day? Okay, get what you can get. He teach you to your four hundred dollars a day. Barrel rolls and flips. I was gonna say that's what they're gonna do to you, Amy. They're gonna be like, all right now, Amy. I want you to ease into the left brake. Now like ease it. into the right a little harder. Now you feel that you're doing a barrel roll. It's not that bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking into it, and, and from what sure I've watched hard. and all the videos I've watched, they teach you to your skill level. They will yeah. not go beyond. They will try to push you a little beyond so you can learn. But once they hit, they can tell that. Sean? What's going on here, man? Is that at your house, Sean? This, this no, is so crazy. They're doing a hang test. They're showing how it releases. 
Well, he has a whole crew, don't you know that? Oh, I thought they, really know what you they, they twist you around to show you what it feels like to be in a uh, in a riser twist. You know, hey. so so you're safe on the ground. It's like, oh, okay, so this is a riser twist. That's not too bad. Sean, I'm so glad you got this uh, part of the uh, <laughs> intro. Well, I said I sat in there. He he said, okay, that's what you need, and then uh, yeah. So the very first time I took off, dude, I was about ready to pee my pants. Why? Because you know, you know, as the boat's pulling you and and the uh, the riser thing, whatever's attached to the pin is vibrating every now and then. The <laughs> I was like, I was Ooh. like, oh my oh, god! Oh, screw that! I'm like, <laughs> like I didn't know what I didn't understand what it was, and then after I figured it out, I was like, oh, this is nothing. Like literally your mind, your mind is playing so much, just playing tricks on you. And you just over, this is where you're going to be at. Well, you just missed it. But um, Brian, this is right. Here's where your dog would be. This is where uh, he would eat, get eaten. And that's the dike right there. And then there's water on both sides of it. So somebody would have to keep an eye on him. Make sure he doesn't go towards the water. Yeah, I figured there'd always be somebody on the land. There's Somebody in a boat, somebody going up. We got five in our group. If there's five in the group, then you just everybody's gonna have to keep an eye on the dog. I it makes me it makes my stomach hurt when I think about it, dude, to be honest with you. But I mean Man, them suckers will come right up on the land and snatch him. So that was Leah Catullo. She helps you um, get into your harness and she tells you about different ways. And this is where you launch from right here. Yeah. A bunch of people that are watching you. And right behind, right behind the camera right here is like a 12 foot tall white cross. <laughs> and the last, last time I was out there, there was two the buzzards sitting on top of it. For the alligator eat you. That is yeah, we're parasailing first. But honestly, I'm telling you, it's all in your head when you start doing this. You are just, you are so scared that the world's going to end <laughs> as soon as that boat takes up. And, and they go through and they, they walk through everything. They make sure that the doors are shut and, um, you know, everything's straight. I mean, they walk you through everything. Uh, this is the entire documentary that I have for the first two days of uh, one of my SIB courses and you're more than welcome to watch it matter of fact i'll put in the link yeah. down below so you can watch it that'll be good it just makes me feel like murphy's law with me involved i'm telling you amy once you be, once you do this course you'll have the confidence that'll improve your flying like there's no tomorrow exactly it'll, it, it'll take one day of doing this will turn you into a two-year pilot with That's confidence exactly what i thought um so the first this time is, I this I was is the one thing up. I wish they did with a if you're if you're training to be a GA pilot within your first hour or two, you're already doing stalls. I would love to have a paramotor training course that I don't want to do SIV during training, but I want to do basic stalls, basic uh, stall recovery. Something There's you no can do safely as a an early pilot. Because it, it increases your confidence level so much and increases your safety level so much. Because you may take off from a perfectly mild weather and you, you hit like 2,000 feet and your wind 
goes 180 degrees in reverse and you pull a frontal. If you did this during training, you know what to do right off the bat. It's instinctive. I, I really wish they did what they do in GA in paramotor training. Mm -hmm. I think there's some companies out there and here's a B here's a beeline stall where I'm pulling the B lines. And it's so difficult to pull these lines and make this wing collapse. I mean, yes. I am I am pulling my entire body down. I'm trying to do a pull-up on these lines. And Andrew keeps on saying, pull the beelines, pull the B. I'm like, I'm trying. I'm doing everything I can. I'm like, my hands are cramping, my arms are cramping. And it's and and once you start pulling these lines down, you realize that you know these things are just not coming down. It's uh it's really amazing to to yeah. see how you know it takes. Yeah, it yeah, takes so much. I found out if you if you try to slowly pull them down, it's a lot harder. If you do a real quick jerk, it's a <laughs> lot easier to get it to, to fold up. And that's what he keeps on calling me is a quick jerk. I'm like, I'm not a jerk. I swear to God, I'm not a jerk. <laughs> I, I know with my with my my old mojo, that thing, in order to pull a real stall, you have to pull all the way down your hips. And it, it's not easy. With a with a high performance wing, it's a little easier, but if you're starting right. off on a on an A wing, it's very. I mean, all you have to do if you get in a, a bad situation, the you just, A line stall, you pulling just pull down the A's, just raise pull your from, arms and the wings as hard as I can, and the darn thing just keeps on popping back up, no matter how hard I pull. Well, that's the hey mojo. I'm bail on y'all, man. Mojo, if you pull all the way See you down, later, Brian. Hips. All right, Brian. All right, later, Brian. Peace out, guys. Thanks, 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 George. Glad to have you, man. When you're pulling on those, are you? Hey, thanks for inviting me, Brian. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, sorry to interrupt. I actually have to take off too. And now, now's a pretty good time. Hey, Jordan, it was good talking to you, man. I got a lot of uh, information. Oh yeah, I love the information. Great show. Yeah, it was it was great talking to you. I learned a lot too from you guys. So uh, I would love to see you guys again on the show. Uh, please reach out to me if you ever want to do this again, and I will be happy to join. Hey, when you get that uh, electric paramotor built, you know, email me. And we'll uh, showcase it for you. Yeah, man, I'm gonna come fly it over your house. Yeah, that's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> hey, um, I'm I'm not too far away from them, so I'll come down and and uh, and, and video and fly too. Nice. Y'all can Ooh, take who's... off at the park. It's like two minutes from our house. Yeah, Jordan, I'll I'll drive over to Tampa and ride up with you. <clears throat> Let's do it. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Who's, who's going to bad apples? Who's going to bad apples? I am. Okay, we got one. Jordan, you, you got to be going to Palm Bay too, Jordan. When is bad apples? Uh, it's May 13th, I think, um, through this. Uh, I have it open. Hold on a second. May yeah, I can 13th. make that. Jordan, you, you're not going to Palm Bay? I might. I got to look at the exact dates. Our, uh, Palm Bay is May 11th through 15th. So when's Bad Apples again? 13th through the 16th. Uh, oh, May. It's in May, the same dates. No. One's in March. Palm Bay's in March. Bad Apples is in May. Uh, you said... Uh, Palm Bay was when March, March 11th through the 15th. Yeah, that's a 13th through a, uh, that's a Thursday through a Monday. So uh, I I would definitely be able to be there for some of those days for sure. I will definitely try to make it. I'll try to round up some people from my group as well. Uh, those guys love any excuse to to take their their campers out and stuff. So. And bad apples is in May. Yes. Yes. When in May is it? Uh, it's 13th through the 16th. I might be able to make that. 
Well, keep in mind, I think this date has changed like three times already because of (laughs) the coronavirus. So, uh, yeah, assume at this point, like after 2020, assume everything is just like a tentative. That's that's what I do. But Mark Elroy, Mark Elroy would definitely be at both of those, Sean, just so you know, both fly ins. Oh, cool. I will try my best to be there, too. I mean, it's almost well, before Mark my home place, so I can't go. spring break. Because right, well, it was an honor to chill with all you guys. Hopefully, I will see you uh, see you all soon. Oh, yeah. I'll I look will forward to it. You watching for the next episode. So. I'm very impressed with you. It was a great show. I love listening to you. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for, have your a very well. Thank you for joining us, so man. All right. You all have a good night. You too. Thank you. Until next Congratulations. time. Okay. So, what I was asking you before, Sean, is that when you were pulling on those, yeah. I, it looked like in the video you let, mm-hmm. let loose mm-hmm. them and pop back open. So, are you supposed to? Pull them all the way down to hold them down to keep it collapsed or what? Pull them down, hold them down, pull them down, let them go. It's it's just, you know, over over a couple of times of going up there and doing this, you realize that it takes so much effort to collapse a wing. And when you collapse it, it doesn't take but a second for the darn thing to go pop and it's back yeah. out. Because that's what I noticed in the video. You got it to come down a little bit, then they pop back up. Yeah, it's... But Amy, it you don't feel like you're falling at all. You pull it, you 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 don't feel like you're like you just jumped off a cliff and you're free falling. You don't <clears throat> you don't honestly feel that way. It, it's just it's just a, a pull and you look you're looking at your wing, so you don't look at the ground. You're looking at your wing because you need to look at your wing. That's the most important thing at that time. And if you bring your paramotor, you can actually launch your paramotor go over to the place that we're doing the SIV and then fly back. I saw yeah. that guy on the paramotor. I was wondering what they were doing. Yeah, that was, uh, Neil, because that was that's the whole fear, the fear of feeling like you're free falling. I hate that feeling. You won't, you won't have that. I honestly never felt that I did several different things. The full frontal scared the living daylights out of me until I did it. And then I was just like, well, that's nothing like honestly it's no it's it's no different doing a full frontal than it is big ears i mean the 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 rate that you (laughs) fall is not enough to where you lose your stomach Mm. and i'm all jokes aside it makes it made me i just i just can't or deleted this video that i was editing um from this last trip that i did um the you see me my legs are just swinging I would have never have flown in that prior to the SIV course. I would have taken off, turned around and landed, been like, nope, packed my stuff up and went home. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my, my legs are swinging like this, and I got both hands in my lap going, that wing isn't doing nothing that it, I'm worried about. It literally just flies. And it's because of the SIV course. It's not, it's not being cocky. It's understanding Your how much it takes, how much it takes to destroy that wing for for even a millisecond i wasn't in any kind of wind that would have caused my wing to collapse and i purposely flew in turbulence of trees and i was so comfortable i truly never even got my heart rate up at one at no point and i was just like man i can't believe 
how scared I was to fly at first and how many times I've missed out on, on good flights because I hit a little bump or a little bit of wind kind of got yeah. me swinging. I'm like, dude, man up. Cause. <laughs> and this now, is why I fly midday because I know that my wing, even though there might be some bumps, it's, it's not going to fail. I'm going to be out there and I'm going to be super fine. And if it does collapse, no problem. Just go, I'm done. I'm, I'm, it opens back up and I'm good. If it does, it, out, if it does spin around, no problem. I have a reserve. I pull a reserve and I yeah. float down. It's no big deal. I, See, nothing I against Sean, uh, Shane, because I love Shane's videos, but I've been watching Shane's videos from the early, early days. I'm sorry. In the, er <laughs> in the early days, he was super worried about doing these things. But once he did them, and he realized that, oh, my God, this is really no big deal because I have a, an instructor here with me. He's in my ear. I'm doing this. And he came, he came out of it a hundred times better pilot. Oh, yeah. My company well, like making chicken casserole. Yeah. Chicken casserole. What are you talking about chicken casseroles? His, you, famous, you his famous YouTube video. No, yeah. it's um, chicken casserole. Cre creamy chicken ranch crock yeah. pot dish or something. <laughs> I don't even that. know what the name of it is. <laughs> Shane went to a Shane went from a Shane went from a uh 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 I don't know a a, a fillet to a chicken pot pie. Yeah, <laughs> in, his, in his in his worry level. Oh, yeah. dude. I don't, I fly now and even the guy, um, Jason Russell Smith, that's in the chat, he, he, he goes to all the fly-ins with me and, uh, he told me, he's like, dude, he's like, there's a couple bumps I hit. He's like, before you would have jumped back onto the ground. Didn't matter where you were at. You would have landed up or downwind, upwind, sidewind. It would have mattered. You'd have just got on the ground and been like, I'm done. I'm walking my stuff back now. He, he turns around, he's like calling me on the phone going, you're still up here? I'm like, yeah, why? He's like, you're not bothered by any of this? I go, no, I'm good. Ever since that F SIV course, it is it has made me way. That's why I'm wanting to go back again. I'm going back for a third time. I just haven't done, uh, set up any, I haven't made a, a permanent uh, date yet, but uh, I'm ready to do, well, I will tell you, the last time I went, I wanted to do spiral downs until I did spiral downs <laughs> at uh -huh. the SIV course. Because <laughs> there's yeah. five levels. There's five levels to Andrew's spiral downs. Spiral, you know, one, you just turn a little bit and you kind of get going. Two, you're getting a little bit more, three, four, five. Well, I hit, he had me go from one to three, which got me a little wide-eyed. Then I went back to two and then the four. When I hit four, he's like, okay, hold it there. I'm like, nope, coming back out. <laughs> he said, hell no. I, I reset up into the wind. He's like, all right, Shane, we're gonna go to we're gonna go to two. So I went to two. He goes, All right, we're going to four. I said, mm, I got into four. He's like, now hold it, hold it, hold it. I would only, he wanted me to do two or three full 360s. I couldn't get into more than one. And then I went back into the wind again. And he goes, all right, Shane, we're going to go from nothing to three. 
and I got in the three and I'm comfortable with three. It makes me still wide eyed because you start feeling the G forces and you start, you know, getting into your seat. And he goes, we're going to go from three to five. I immediately let out. <laughs> I'm not even trying that. No, 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 no. And you know what? The dude never once said, well, you got to do it, man. You got to do it. If you're not comfortable. Right. He's like, all right. Well, he's like, well, if let's do, um, he's on the radio. So I'm giving him communications, w- w- whether it's with my feet or with the wing. And uh, he's like, well, if you just want to learn some descent techniques, uh, give me big ears. So I just gave him big ears because, first of all, when you hit that many Gs, it messes you up, like, internally. It it, it throws things off. For the first and, time. For the first time. Yeah. And, I mean, I do I do spiral downs now. Are, are, are you saying you were flustered? No, I was, I was it's lack of oxygen. I was lack of blood to my head because it all went to my feet during those G's. Um, I see how, honestly, I can see how people black out no problem. I wasn't, when I hit four and I did one full 360, I mean, when I straightened back out, I was just like, whoa. Like I felt lightheaded instantly. Right. I was right. just like, holy crap. Yeah. And then, then he wanted me to go to five. I was like, there is no way, <laughs> no way. Five is like looking straight down at the ground. Your wing is literally, so your feet are at the horizon and your wing is at the horizon, and you're, you're just parallel. Going, yeah, you're just going circle straight and to the when ground. You do that, Shane. It is amazing. Well, I couldn't get. I, listen, I'm not. I'm not the kind of guy that will BS you and tell you I can do it if I can't. I can't do it, so <laughs> I'm not going to tell you I can do it. I am honest. I am, I am 100% honest with, with this show, and I'm 100% honest with myself. I know for a fact going into number five would have killed me. Might have make you pass out? I think but, but, so. But the, but the takeaway from all this is your instructor will listen to you and only yes. push you as far as yeah. you can go. And that's why I respect him, and that's why I continue to go back to him because I'm comfortable with him. I feel that I won't be... Matter of fact, the very last time I got pulled up, the line broke about 3,000 feet. And he's like, oh, go ahead and put the, uh, I, I had just a parachute, which is the part that's hooked to you that you pin off from. He's like, just go ahead and put that in your lap. So I put it in my lap. And he's like, all right, we're going to go ahead and start doing some spiral downs. Well, I had already gone up to 4,800 feet and froze my, took us off. <laughs> and now I'm at 3,000 feet freezing my butt off again. And I just picked up a wet parachute and put it in my lap that was been freezing in the in the wind, and I put it on my lap. I'm, I start shaking, <laughs> like like from being cold. Yeah. And he's like, "All right, Shane, let's go ahead and do a um, a left spiral." And I was like, "Nope, not doing it." Like I just want I just wanted to get below two thousand feet where it started warming up. And uh, he's like, "Well, if you don't want to do anything." just kick your feet and then I'll see if, if that's what you want to do, then I'll see you back down on land. That was it. There was no argument. There was no, you got to do something. He don't, it's up to you as a pilot to do what you're comfortable with doing. And uh, I learned a couple descent techniques on the way back down. And I did some wing overs that I actually kind of scared myself a little bit. Cause <laughs> I got a little cray cray. <laughs> I was like, Whoa. I need to calm that down. And uh, yeah, dude, I, I mean, 
he watches you the whole time you're up there. He's in your ear. It, it's it's a really amazing class, and it it truly does make you a better pilot. I mean, if you're if you're concerned or or worried, take that class, and it'll ease everything. It really my, will. My next wing is going to be a speedster uh, three, and I'll take a SIV with that uh, speedster. Wait, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to get to my spider tree. You fly so low. I yeah, will Amy? stick with my F1 because I love it. What'd you say, Amy? I'm surprised that Sean um, went to SIV since he flies so low all the time. Well, that's the most dangerous flying you can do. Yeah. Being, being 50 feet and under is the most dangerous flying you can do. Because guess what? If you're at 50 feet and, you're, and your motor stops, the first thing you're going to do is dive about Oh, I don't know, to about 15 feet, your wing's just gonna go woof. And then you've got all this speed build up. And if you don't know how to control it, or if you don't know have enough energy, you just smack the ground. Yeah. At you know, so if you're at 75 feet and your motor dies, it swoops down and then it levels out and you just come in and land like you normally do. If it's at four feet and your motor dies. <laughs> Well, hope well, you can run 25, 30 miles an hour because that's yeah. what's going to happen. Sean, you need to fly higher then. Um, I actually um, had a motor out while I was foot dragging, and I actually had that on a video someplace. Yeah, but your feet were on the ground. No, they were they were going above the club. Uh, I was foot I was foot dra uh, foot dragging a bunch of mud and water, so I went up. And then as I was going up, my motor went out and I came down and crashed. I have, a, have it on video. Let's watch that. I will tell you, in my opinion, in that situation, I always go in. It, so I've had two landings where I landed as a baseball player sliding into first base or into second base with one, one knee bent, the other one straight out. And I can tell you, those are pretty doggone easy landings that I've had. But they weren't, they weren't real close to the ground. Like I knew I was coming in downwind or whatever. One time I landed with my trimmers out and I knew right before my feet hit that I was never going to run that out. And I just bent my leg back and the other one out front and slid in and stood up at the end of it like it was meant to be. Instead of butt landing. Yeah. See, my, my worst landing, um, I've, I don't have a motor yet. For all practical purpose, I'm a paraglider pilot. Really? So my worst is going off of a cliff, doing a little ridge soaring for like 10, 15 minutes, and then coming down and hanging wet gravel mm. and face planting in wet gravel. Oh. It's not fun, but it is what it is. I've got over 270 flights now. I'm on my original cage, original prop, original frame, original motor. I have not damaged any equipment. And everybody says, knock on wood. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Okay, I'm okay. Saying, Are you I'm on original exhaust? Not original exhaust. That's why I didn't say I didn't say exhaust <laughs> or silencer or silencer. Oh, really? The silencer's new too. Yeah, that 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 went out um, in North Carolina. I actually took off 
got up about 75 feet and my motor died and I was heading um, downwind or upwind. Oh, what? So what I did is I did a 180 and turned around and landed in tall grass because I knew I wasn't going to make the runway to turn again. So I said, screw that. I'm not turning. I'm just going to land in tall grass. And uh, I landed just fine. But what happened was the packing, the packing um, let loose and clogged up the end of the exhaust and uh, killed my motor. So did you did you have to replace the whole packing, or you just had to put some new oil? Packing. No, um, actually the the Viserati was nice enough not to cover my three hundred and fifty dollar exhaust, but to cover the fifty dollar um, uh, silencer. Yeah, that's what I would have done. Yeah, now, did your exhaust go, or was it caked with oil? No, no, my my exhaust cracked uh, oh, in Ohio cracked. at Dave Purden. Do you ever uh, do you spray your exhaust down with WD forty at all ever? On the outside, yes. Yeah. Okay. The I only dude. I was actually told by my teacher from class that I don't run my motor hard enough, and that I overwarm it. I don't need to. I don't need to warm up. I told him my warm up process. He's like, "Oh, that's too much. You can cut out three minutes of that." So <clears throat> that's what I started doing. And next thing you know, I, my my exhaust cracked. Yeah, I've actually heard the opposite. I've heard most of the people that I've heard have had a crack in the exhaust. It's not a overly warm warming. It's a too rapid cooling when you're done. I've heard a lot of people say that if they idle their engine when they're after they land to let the, the motor cool down more gradually, it doesn't crack. I, I, I was, I was um, two hours into my flight when my exhaust cracked. Huh. Yeah, I, I was actually flying probably a good hour and a half when I heard my motor go from its normal tone to a whole different tone. And I was like, I actually thought there was a plane behind me. I got like an actual plane. I kept looking over going, where's that plane at? And when I landed and I looked at my exhaust, boom, I had a cracked exhaust. Does anybody have any MY20s crack or they, uh, it's the older design? No, nope, only the only the Y19s seem to be the problem. I have I have about 15 hours. What is it? I it was 71, 80. So I'm sorry, I have 11 hours on this new Y20. A friend of mine, Jason, has 180 hours on his Y20 and no problems. Still going strong. Hmm. So this where they have the expansion joints now kind of fix it or, or, I, or? I, I 100% believe that. Yes. That and the, uh, double, the double spring. Yeah. I, I got the, uh, for, was it vortex arrow, uh, the new one. And, um, I think that this will last me like forever before I even have to even think about getting a new one. I don't think well, this is. This well, is, Sean, I, I got, I got a buddy who's got a vortex and, it just broke the other day. Are you serious? Yeah. I saw so someone on Facebook today that had a, uh, a, a an Adam that cracked. Uh oh, Linda, your Tinder date's here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. My wife just told me it's bedtime. So yeah, I'm my wife here. just told my me it's bedtime. it's bedtime too. So I got to go. He's right All right, here. guys. Talk to y'all later. Peace. Right. Good evening. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, Sean. Good night, Shane. Good night, Bob.
because uh, right. I'm usually on Nick's show, but sometimes I'm I I'm bored. <laughs> Just saying. Was he on tonight? No. If if Nick's on, he's got my I'm a moderator on his channel, so I'll go out always go on his. But if nobody if he's not on, I'll go on whatever's on. But tonight, not to not to bum anybody out, but. I found out my uh, my youngest brother is now on a ventilator from the the that shall not be mentioned oh, virus. No. So sorry to hear that. So I'm I've been I've been trying to uh, divert my brain from thought of that, and this has helped greatly. So good. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad, Bob. I'm glad you came over. It's been a while since we chatted. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Love you, Bob. Anyway. This has been a great right. show. I've enjoyed it, and and uh, I haven't had a show like this in, uh, in months. Come back. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you get bored here. Come back. Time. We got pear chick pies now. Yeah, come back, Bob. We love you. Hey, Bob. If you get bored over here, there's something wrong. Oh yeah, I still think Linda. I think you should rename your channel to the LindaLinda.com. <laughs> for uh, for Walter's sake, if nothing else. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Linda just got a new dot com. It's uh, paramomusa.com. Yep, that's right. How'd she find out about that, Sean? I love you guys. See, on, on Linda's You're channel, I can see, I can see on Linda's channel, it's going to be paramotor, paragliding, and rodeo. Rodeo. <laughs> hey, Linda, we oh, need to. We need to do girls trip and post some videos on your website. I know. I have to learn how to do all that. We need to do, do some crazy fun stuff. Be like them and Louise. Oh, oh Louise. I Just know. stay away from that. Stay away from that cliff. Exactly. Stay away from the baby. cliff unless you have baby. a uh, unless you have a paramotor on, right? Or a paraglider. Here's your drink, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Now get back it. in the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> well, anyway, guys. This has been a great show and I, I enjoyed it and it's been a I haven't had a show this fun in a long time. So good. Thank you. Have a great evening. Bob, I hope everything works out well. Um sorry to hear about that. And uh hopefully next week we'll say, man, yeah, he he popped out of that. No problem, everything's okay. That's what I we hope so. For. And we converted Bob to come over here instead of over wherever he's been hanging out. <laughs> we converted the Bob. Bob. Hey, Bob, we can let you be a moderator over here if it'll bring you over here. I love you guys. See you guys. Yeah, Later, night. Linda. 99. <clears throat> Tell your date I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Oh, Amy's joining in. Oh, I know. I love Amy. She's Thanks. my girl. She's my girl, Amy. I love you. Oh, my, my, my air traffic controller just went to bed, and she's asking me when I'm coming up. So, yeah, mine mine's been doing the same thing. Hey, my my air traffic controller is almost a pilot, so I don't really get that. Yeah. See, my my wife will never. Back in my GA days, I don't care if I'm flying at 152, I'm 182. She would not get in that aircraft. Period. She let my she let me take my three year old son up and fly <laughs> all day long, but she would not get in this aircraft. So 
I might, I, I, I've kind of joked with this, like, hey, you know, watch the show with me. It's like, come on, come on over, we'll, you know, in, and participate. Maybe you, uh, we'll go down and uh, find someone to a, 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 a fandom pool and get you up there. It's like, she's like, no. <laughs> so, hey, Sean, I, I, I do want to mention that uh, I've got it set up. I am doing a tandem class. I don't know when. It's going to be in the next couple of months, two or three months. I am doing a tandem class in Tennessee. I'll, I'll go there with you because I need to do mine. Yeah. Uh, my wife would not do a tandem, even if it was two 747s holding her up. She would not do a tandem. Hey, Sean, this tandem class, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, is only 600 bucks. Yeah, it is. And he, oh, says, wow. and he says he'll do it in a weekend. That's a deal. Yeah. Cheaper, cheaper than a, cheaper than a weekend of SIV, of course. Yeah. And Free, free, freedomparamotors.com Ben Muir. He's in Tennessee, and there's See, a some. If I hadn't already been effing around for two years, I would have definitely done that. Yeah, yeah I figure you know, <clears throat> having your tandem license, you know, doing doing the business that we're doing, going to the events and all that, I think we can take advantage of being able to do that. So. Do you need to have like your PPG one, two, and three and instructors, or what do you need to to have to to go there? Not here. I mean, he didn't, huh? It, he bases it on how many hours you got to have the hours, Sean. You definitely have the hours. And you also have to be a member of what ASA something like that. You have to be a member of the Arabic. The USPPA. No, it's like aerobatics something. It's like. It made me think when I looked at his website and looked up the association he'd be part of, like, why would you need to be a part of that association? It's not aerobatics. Who, who is it that, that we're going to go to? Freedom, freedom, freedomparamotors.com. Ben Muir in Tennessee. Hmm. I'm writing that down so I can check it out tomorrow and starring it. What's the guy's name? Ben, ben Muir. Ben Muir. M-U-I-R. Quit saying what I say. I'm saying what I say. You quit no, saying what I say. <laughs> hey, you better pump your brakes a little bit. You're just in the kitchen. Listen here. There's a lot of good things coming out of this kitchen for you, so I'd watch your words if I were you. Hey, you know what? There ain't nothing between you and me but air and opportunity. <laughs> You've got the air and I've got the opportunity. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something stupid. <laughs> As they say, snap. I love them. I love you guys. Thanks. I love you guys. He tries. No, I you try. You're going to be good like me one of these days. Oh, you just want to be better like me. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, Sean. Yeah, check it out, Sean. If you want to go, man, uh, me and another buddy are thinking about going. And um, he said when the weather gets better, of course. Yeah, I found his website and I'm gonna check him out tomorrow. Um, definitely, that sounds like fun. That I, I think I'm done with SIVs, so I think I need to do something else, like um, like the tandem. That sounds that sounds good. Well, do you have to have like like hours certified, or how does he know that you? It's on it? it's on his website. The, the tandem it has all the things you need to make sure you have before you go. 
Okay, I found like it. When being a member of that one association that I told you, like, sounded stupid to me because it starts the A in the beginning stands for aerobatic. I'm like, why do you need that? Be a member of that association. But, oh, it's a 10 hour tandem training. Yeah. The tandem training for instruction or just what? So, tandem oh. training so you can do tandems. Yeah, okay. take people, people up. up with you. You need 25. Oh, hell, I would do, I would do a hell of a lot more than 10 hours. Instruction, 18 age, <laughs> ACS membership. Testing. ACS, and A stands for like acrobatic, something like that, or aerobatic. What else, Sean? Um, it says testing, written, um, FOI test, oral test, and flight test. Uh, new BFI privileges may give dual instructions to student pilot BFI applicants and hold two place exemptions. Hmm. Provide a vehicle which is airworthy condition that can safely perform all required maneuvers. Cost six fifty. Yeah. So, so is he saying you got to have your own wing? I'm not sure. I think I'll have to give him a call and find out. I call him. Yeah, if you talk to him, I mean, I talk to him all the time. I just don't bug him with stuff like that because me and him do business. I, but uh, both my APCO wings came from him. <clears throat> Sounds to me like he's evaluating your equipment and saying, "Yeah, you have the equipment that can do this. Yeah, skills that can do this. Yeah, okay, we can train you on this." Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> If you if you're a friend of them, definitely chat with them and uh, you know find out exactly what he. Man, did. I'll see if we can get us a group package deal. If you man, I would hug you and kiss you. Then <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll probably give you a discount. If yeah, and yeah. I've spent a lot of money with him. I've spent in 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 less than a month i spent over five grand with him on wings he sends wings to mark he's like i have a wing i think you'll oh dude sean he's the guy i was telling you about if i mention a wing and he has it on hand he next thing you know it's at my doorstep i had to finally wow. tell him quit sending me wings i don't want to fly any i don't have any more money <laughs> <laughs> he can send me some hey you know what <laughs> You know what? Hey, once we get our tandem, we need to go over and see Linda and take her out for a tandem. Yeah. We'll see who does the better wing over with her. <laughs> well, I was sitting there thinking that y'all get your tandem license. That's two of y'all. Then we go over there and Linda can film me and I can film her. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I know. That'd be so hard. Hey, Sean, do you think your wife would give you a tandem? Do you think your wife would go up if uh, you got your tandem? Yeah. You think she would? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, did, can we get her drunk enough? Yeah. No. Can we get her drunk enough? Sure. Hey, let's get her really drunk and strap her in and say, hey, all we're going to do is taxi. We just want you to feel. We'll pull an aviator trick on them. We're just going to taxi. Taxi. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're in the air. I'm sorry. I didn't know how. I don't know how this happened. In my wife, I could have 10,000 hours and she would have to up She hates flying. My, last, my time went, last time we went up on an airliner with her, I still have claw marks in my arm from the last time we went up in a 747 with her because she spent the whole trip going, you know. And see, I, think Rob, I think Robbie would catch on when Sean started saying, run faster. You need to run faster now. All right. Ah. 
He's getting I'm, a phone I'm call. Telling, I'm telling him right now that I got to go because you're yelling at me. She's yelling at me right now in, in, in the phone. So I, I got to go. Laura says hi. All right. Well, well night, guys. Uh, I'm in the same boat. So I'll nice see show. you guys in the next one. Have I'll definitely look for you guys' show next time. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Bye. Go, hi. I got a new uh, video coming up. It'll be ready by tomorrow night on my YouTube channel, The Pair of Chicks. So y'all can check out the Valentine treats. Get y'all ready for the day. Text me the link. All right. All right. Bye, guys. Now. Yep. Well, thank you very much for making it this far into the podcast. Four hours is a long time to listen to us, but it's probably you truckers out there that are listening to us or somebody that gets to drive in their car all day, maybe delivery drivers that want to eventually get into paramotors. That's what I do. I, I'm actually a delivery driver, IT guy, and market coordinator for Bite Squad over here in Arkansas. And I'm pretty much in the car all the time. But since you listened to us this far, do me a favor, send me an email, ppggrandpa at gmail.com. Let me know that you made it all the way to the end of season two, episode 52 with Jordan Anger. Let me know what you think. And if you do a review, it's a five-star review on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast player is, send me a snapshot of that or a screenshot. Let me know that you liked us and gave us some recognition out there. We totally appreciate it. And I'll send you a little something, something in the mail. Anyway, have a great day and happy new year, 2021. Unbelievable.